Danger of Owner, welcome to Garage Hammer, episode 45. On tonight's episode, the boys discuss their preparations for Adepticon. So, without any further ado, here are your hosts, David Whitetech and Christopher Barnett. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 45, 45, Dave, of Garage Hammer. 45, 4, 5, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 45, bop, 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 cold. 45. Works every time. <laughs> How are you, partner? Very good. How are you? I am good, folks. This is the one and only Christopher D.M. Barnett sitting across from me. And back from the dead and ready to party, the ex-host of real people across from me is... Skip Stevenson. Hot diggity. <laughs> giggity, giggity. Giggity, giggity. I guess that would make me... Who are the other ones? It was Sarah Purcell, Byron Allen, Skip Stevenson, and who was the fourth? Uh, hey, would you blow me? <laughs> uh, uh, John Schmieben. John Schmieben. Private Eye. <laughs> it was dangerous. <laughs> this time. He's a private eye, a crooked cop, a secret agent, a celebrity pharmacist. Dangerous. Do, do, do. Man, we're back on that. That's like old school garage hammer, making I, the uh, Homestar Runner quotes. I turned on a bunch of students to uh, Homestar Runner. This uh, the Homestar Runner website this week at work. You know you gotta you gotta in, uh, influence them in some way. I want credit for that. <laughs> credit given. I call it credit, not blame. Ching. <laughs> uh, so now that we've completely avoided the actual beginning of the show, well, we should speaking of credit, give some to our sponsors. Why don't you then? All right, like for example, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Good Two night. episodes in a row. <laughs> Do you want the hard copy? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Hi, my name's Chris Barnett, and I can't remember anything. Unique gifts and games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine. Game Preserve stores located throughout Indiana. Urza's Den, custom painting and sculpting. Battle Foam, protecting your army. And Weird World's Terrain. What's your world? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you can find links and information for all of our sponsors, both on our show notes and also on our website, garagehammer.net. See, I figured I just came up with that thing for Weird Worlds because they got their own commercial and it's good. It's and good. I, I think I'm just going to keep trying to come up with things like that because, I mean, I actually heard on a different podcast, and I think it was Wisco Dice, someone mentioned Chaos Org Superstore, mm-hmm. and, and the guy started going, Chaos Org Superstore, Chaos Org Superstore, Chaos Org Superstore. And I'm like, well, if I could do that, maybe I could. <laughs> so, David Whitek, <laughs> marketing genius. Marketing of stupid. Um, but I figured, heck, if I could get Chaos Orc to get that, maybe when people order up their Weird Worlds, they'll put it on the table and be like, woo, Oh, looks like I'll be cutting this show a bit today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a shout-out sponsor. Yes, we do, from Gordon Sundant. Just reach now, Gordon, I found out, I was picking him up uh, for bits. He asked if I would uh, pick him up. He was coming to bits, but now he's not going to make it. And I'm, like, uh. really upset because, I mean, dude, I mean, he's the guy who traded me up. Uh, I got to send him the Tomb Kings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah. the, so we, we've done the several trades. He's the one who, for your birthday, sent you the Tomb Guard. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, he's been such a big s- sponsor of the show. I was really looking forward to meeting him, but uh, now he's not going to make it. Yeah, he had to pull out of bits. Well. Which did fill up today. 80 people, completely full. Mm-hmm. Now the waiting list begins. Yeah. it's Oh, no, that's already started, too. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I I do sympathize. I'm telling you for the first time on the microphone, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do Gen Con. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. Well, my sister's wedding. Oh, no. And I got to fly out to California. So, oh, no, she's getting married. No, I'm happy for her, but, you know. It's I, not on Gen Con weekend. It's not on Gen Con weekend. Like, your sister couldn't be that inconsiderate. But, you know, the same budget that would have taken me to Gen Con is also attempting to fly me out to California, rent a car, get a hotel, uh, get, you know, I'm in the wedding ceremony. Oh, that's right. It's And it's right around the corner from that. But we should read this, uh, the shout-out. Well, probably. First off, I would like to thank Brian for all his work on my Tomb Kings commission. Brian was most helpful with the planning process, such as color choice and theme. He was always willing to bounce ideas off me, and the many scratch-built models that were made are stunning and right from the book descriptions. I will be buying from him again, and I encourage anyone that is on the fence about getting work done to try Ursus Den. You will not be disappointed. Uh, these are straight from Gordon Sundin's emails. Gordon, uh, thank you very much. Brian's a good friend of both uh, David's and myself, and, and we feel the same way. So yeah, thank no, you very much. Excellent. So Brian, congratulations to you. This is this is straight from one of your customers. So that just happened. Boom! Shake and bake. But uh, no, I mean, dude, Brian came over here when when we did the Dark Ages, and he mm-hmm. spent the night here. Yep. And the next day, uh, he was building his Necron army, and I was sitting here working on my VC. And I'm like, oh, I got to try to do this because the back part I had actually broken off some of the back armor on one of my blood knights Mm -hmm. not my black knights my expensive as blood knights the 100 hundred dollar blood knights yes a part of it chipped off thank you cranky thanks again and part of it had chipped off and so i went upstairs and i showed it to him i went upstairs and i come back down and i'm like oh what are you working on he's like do 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 like five minutes he had sculpted a perfect match to what was supposed to be there he's like yeah i fixed it for you here you go well it's what he's doing for a living it's one of the things he does for a living it's a perk to having a good sculpting friend mm-hmm. hanging out at your house hey look i kind of broke this bit off and i can't sculpt for crap can you help me side note uh, just uh, speaking of good sculpting friends hey aaron how are you oh yeah we never see aaron anymore because he's, he's busy he's a war <laughs> let's take our first commercial break since we've hit so much stuff and things content quit break and come back with some news and rumors sounds fantabulous You've heard him on the show. You've seen his work on our website. He's Brian Steele, owner of Urza's Den. That's right, folks. Urza'sden.com. Custom modeling, sculpting, and painting. You got a model you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You got an army you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You can't come up with an idea for a conversion? Give his ideas a try. Heck, you got an army list with models they don't even make? Brian's the man. Give him a call. Check him out at Urza'sden.com. You won't be sorry. Back, 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 back. We're back. Back, back. Front, front, front. You know, I was thinking maybe uh, the rest of the television program. Television program, because this is not television, but I'm kind of, I've been dead now for about 45 years, so mm-hmm. I can't tell. I think I'm going to do the rest 45? of that. 45? Uh, I'm only 41, and he died after I was born. 78, baby. There we go. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to do the entire episode talking like Elvis. I just won't stop you. <laughs> you won't. You're going to let me do this the whole time. I, um, well, you know that's what I fine. Say? You know what I'll do then? You're going to let me do this? Well, then i got to say thank you. Thank you very much. Stay a while and listen. Okay. We're going to lose all our listeners yep. if I keep doing this. Yes. Later, so yes I think I'm going to stop right now. Okay. If I can. Sometimes I get started, I can't stop. I'll hit you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
As long as you don't jam your nostrils on the microphones and oh, I hate you. You had to say it, didn't you? All right, GW did have one new release uh, last week, and it is the Hell, the Chaos Hell Cannons finally out. Hell I guess it's not new. What's well, a re-release? Right. Yeah, uh, and it's it, in fine cast. Same price, I think. Fifty-seven seventy-five. Maybe think, it's a little more. I, I don't remember if it was. I don't remember if I paid forty-nine fifty for it or. Fifty-four, but it's the, the, it's about the same price. I guess I'm getting numb. The price is what I expected, so it's between fifty and sixty bucks. For Stockholm it. syndrome. It's fine. It's uh, it's still a gorgeous model. Oh, it's and it's got to be a hundred times easier to put together. It's fine not, cast. As long it, as you don't it. get a miscast. I'm willing, I'm willing to pay more because I know it's it's got a base. It makes sense. I can use it in the game, and I don't have to let go. I don't really know what base size it is, dude. The one I sent to Gordon, I remember buying it. That I pulled out all the metal bits. I looked at them all, I spaced them all out, and said, yeah, I'm not building this. And I put it back in the box, and it sat in my room for a year. I said, I don't need a Hell Cannon that much. I hadn't played Chaos that much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, screw it. I don't want, I'm not, I'm not pinning. There were some, I think there was like 53 metal parts, if I remember and some correctly. some of them are just chains attached to, quote unquote, the ground. <sighs> yeah. I was like, forget about it. I wouldn't build it. Well, I'm, I will probably get myself so, a new Hell Cannon. Well, I hope so. Well, since it consider you know, since it works for my army, yeah. Oh, that's Grant calling me. I'll have to call him back during the break. Grant, I'm sorry, I'm not answering your call, but when you hear this, it'll be in the past. Okay, so um, one point twenty one gigawatts <laughs> to the future. I really can't do Christopher Lloyd. Uh, thick and thin plastic and super glue. Now mm-hmm. GW did this, and a lot of people were saying, "What's the point?" Well, they exist in other in other products. I mean, there's thick glue and there's thin glue. Thick glue is better for zapping. The product is called Zapagap that I uh-huh. see it, and that's just like it's uh, it's like glue based green stuff. It's good for filling up gaps in models. And that that stuff we buy at UGG, the stuff with the purple and the pink caps, the that that super glue that they sell. A lot of independent copy stores have it. Yeah. Yeah, but they've got the one that it's the thinner and that takes about 30 40 seconds to set. So if you got something fiddly that you got to get in just the right spot, mm-hmm. you can get it there. And then they've got the thicker sets in 15 seconds glue. Right. That or maybe the thin one sets. I don't remember which is which. It says it on the bottle. But, I mean, one set's quicker, one set's slower. One, it's really thick. So if you're just going to stick that arm on there and it's just, okay, it's not, it's an easy piece to put in. Or if you got to get that piece in and it, it, it's got to fit in that little crack between those two little models, the thin stuff just glides right in there. So, well, GW apparently wants a piece of the pie, too. So, okay, they've got their own. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I mean, Are they branching out and trying to get more of our cash? You know, I, I'll be frank. Um, At this I'm point, not excited. I don't care. It's product. If I need it, I'll get it. Yeah. Um, if it's cheaper, I'll get the off-brand one. I hate to say this, but I use testers model glue. My pla- if, yeah, I'm do- if I'm yeah. gluing plastic models, and it comes with that that weird shape. You saw my little weird shape bottle with the really tiny narrow. Yeah, yeah. I've never had to unclog that because it's such a narrow tip, and it goes right where I want it. And it's like three dollars for a bottle, and it's twice the size of the little regular bottles of super glue. So, well, if it's somebody super glue, if it's somebody gets some glue. of these new products and you try them and you find uh, if you have any particular observations other than the normal what works, you know, like this works better, this doesn't work as well, this dries up too fast, this never dries up. Let us know. Uh, Absolutely, I don't have any intention of buying them right away, only because at the moment I don't need them. I've got plenty of glue. So, yeah, I've got like th- like I said, I got about three tubes of testers, and I don't expect to have to buy glue for years. Yeah, but the product is going to be out soon yeah uh what else forge world now i haven't seen this so you have to tell me the warp fire dragon it's okay. pretty this must have cool. been in the last two days um well they put their stuff out on fridays so this actually yeah this was up on friday i'm surprised i didn't see it i was 
Well, what's what's the theme of it? Is it based on uh, is it Storm of Magic or is it's it specific for some writer or no? It's going to be in the Monstrous Arcana, and okay. this is actually a. Is it elemental? Um, is it? Does it, it ha- does it have a name? Is it no? Called, it's just called the Warp Fire Dragon. Nigel the Warp Throw, and it's um, it's it's like warp stone, warp fire. It's been corrupted oh. by chaos. So it is not it is not for the army of chaos necessarily, but it is chaotic. So it seems to be to me. What I really liked about it was it's got levels. You know, like the Sun, Moon, and Star Dragon. Yeah, yeah. You've got young warp fire dragon, warp fire dragon, and great warp fire dragon. Now, the young one has weapon skill, strength, toughness, and wounds of five. Okay. The Warfire has... So it's pretty... It's weak. It's killable, kind of. Yeah. I don't want to call any dragon weak, but it's... All their ballistic skills are zero, but the young one has, like I said, weapon, strength, toughness, and wounds of five. The but the regular, initiative should be the highest, right? Uh, yes. Compared their initiative to the other is ones? four, okay. with mm-hmm. four attacks. A regular Warfire dragon, all those stats go up to six, but with an initiative three, but with five attacks. Okay. Great Warp Fire Dragon, it's all sevens with an initiative two and six attacks. Cool. So the attacks, weapon uh, weapon skills, strength, toughness, and wounds all go up by one, but the initiative goes down. Leadership also goes up. Okay. So, so it is very much a like seven to a nine. this. I think uh, earlier editions, before seventh, maybe even before sixth, you'd, you'd see this. Like when you just take a monster and yeah. there'd be more than one type uh, to choose they from. They range from 285 to 440 points, depending on which one you take. That's a lot of points. Fly, Scaly Skin 3, Terror, uh, Enchanted Attacks, Warp Fire Aura, Explosive Demise, Warp Fire Blast, Large Target, Regen 6. Hmm. Uh, okay, so the Warp Fire Aura, it's got radiation that can kill people nearby. At the beginning of each close combat phrase, every, every model, friend or foe, within three inches of the dragon must pass a strength test or suffer a wound with no armor saves. It also gains a four-up ward against weapons that have the Warpstone weapon rule. So, like Skaven's Warpstone weapon. It's specifically good against Skaven. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In addition, any magic spell directed against him will miscast on a double one in addition to failing, as well as the usual double six, which is then only the six gets irresistible force. So, for some reason, double one's against it. It's... Because of all that warp stone, you can, it's harder to magic it. It will it will backfire on you. Hmm. Explosive demise. When it loses its final wound, all models, friend and foe, within two d six inches are engulfed in magical energy blast. Uh, a wound on a four up from the death of a young warp fire dragon. They suffer a wound on a three up from a warp fire dragon, and on a two up from a great warp fire dragon. Armor saves may be taken as normal. But for 2d6 inches around them, they all suffer a wound. And the older it is, the more likely it is they'll take a wound, although they get an armor save. I don't know what to make of it in a tournament setting, but i tell you what. It's the sort of monster that I, want, that I want to read about. Like the old nostalgic feeling that when you got and you were reading through a monster manual. Yeah. It's like, what a cool beast. What a, yeah, exactly. This is kind of like that. Um, my only question is, is it, I guess you just get your straight armor save no matter what it is because it doesn't name a strength. It just says you take a wound with an armor save. It doesn't say what strength the wound is. Uh, yuck. I don't know. Well, then they'll need to clarify that. Um, ench- en- enchanted attacks, close combat attacks are magical. Uh, and let's see. It's well, if there's no strength listed, then you would get your unmodified armor safe. I guess so. Because um, it says a blast of magical energy. They suffer a wound on a... Fo- yeah, so then what else does it have? The boundless destructive energies of a warp fire dragon enable it to unleash potent blasts of hellish power. It's a shooting attack rather than a breath weapon. So I guess you could use it. It's a shooting attack. Yipes. You know what I like about what Forge World does is mm-hmm. they're doing as much as possible to bring back some of that 7th edition feel for people who miss it. Yeah. Um, 
like with the with the Kadai Destroyer, for example, suddenly you've got a creature where low strength can at, actually not hurt it. And in this particular case, you've got three tiers of dragon, and you've got a breath weapon that can be reused continuously throughout the whole game. Okay. It's a shooting attack, but not a breath weapon. Listen to what this thing does. Uh, it's got different profiles based on the age of the dragon again. Yeah. Um, and different ranges... No, it's the range is six to twenty four inches. So you gotta place this within six to twenty four inches. It's the three inch template. Placed anywhere within range and line of sight of the dragon. Roll the artillery dice and scatter it to the resolved where it lands. If a misfire is rolled, put it uh the blast fails and the warp fire dragon takes D three wounds with no armor save. Hmm. So if it misfires, he just takes wounds. You put it somewhere, six to twenty four inches, you scatter it. For the young warp fire dragon Oh, and by the way, all of these are multiple wounds D3. Uh, the three good, for, good for cooking ogres. Strength 3 with the parentheses 5, so I'm assuming that's the center. Probably, yeah. The regular Warp Fire Dragon is a 4 and a 6, and the Great Warp Fire Dragon is 5 and 7. Against models with the ethereal special rule, or that are classed as demons or undead, it's multiple wounds D6. Oh my gosh, it'll kill a Bloodthirster, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then magics. Oh, <laughs> At 35 points a level, you can make this thing a wizard. What? You can, For 35 points per level, you can make it a wizard choosing from dark magic spells. Does that make it a character or still a monster? What, like, what, is it rare? It's a monster. It says so it's a maybe monster. possibly rare. Well, I, this is from the Monstrous Arcana, so... Mm, interesting. I don't know exactly how that's going to work because they haven't released it yet. Are there rules for allowing a rider? Uh, it doesn't say anything here. Weird, huh? It's a monster that you can make also a wizard, which would be... But you're summoning it with those summoning scrolls because the monsters arcana, I thought, was more stuff like for a Storm of Magic-y type stuff. I don't know. I mean, it depends on whether or not they change the... Dark magic. Oh, it's, that's it? Yeah, it's this comes from the list of dark magic. That's the dark elf stuff. Yeah. This is a weird creature. It's got a weird set of rules. I don't know what's confusing. Think of it. Yeah, but it's kind of neat. It's got. It's cool. It's a crazy sounding monster. Yeah. So, and it, it 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 is a really. It's another really nice looking dragon. I bet. So, does it look like it has like bits of warp stones stuck on it? Or yes, it's okay. got big weird scaly chunks and things on it when you zoom in on it. It's 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 a very bizarre looking uh, dragon. Okay. It's, it's I, I like it. Um, is it as elegant looking and as cool as the Carmine Dragon? See, the Carmine to me is the one of the best models they've done. I love that it's thing. A, that thing is quite amazing. This is a very different take on a dragon. This okay. is a dragon that has been definitely tainted by Warpstone. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Bow, bow. Cool. Well, I can't wait to see it. Um, other than that, what other news and rumors do we have? We actually, uh, we, the only other news and rumors that I can think of is stuff about our show, basically. Um. And we're gonna we're we're doing a little slight change to our format. Do, 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 do. Um, we are gonna be we're gonna basically, folks. We're gonna be uh, sort of discontinuing the tournament update section. Not that we don't care about tournaments. It's just that this is the this is the one section of the show that we've been getting like the least positive <laughs> reviewing on. And uh, but we're not getting rid of it. We're just instead of us going and just reading off a list of upcoming tournaments. I mean, anyone can look them up. Anyone can find them on most of the forums. I think there are some pretty good formats out there for folks to find what they're looking for. Yeah. However, um, however, uh, if you want, you can call 
757-GH-SHOW-6, which is our voicemail. Uh, call up. Who are you? What's the name of your tournament? Where is it? What system? How many points? And what's the phone number of the website? Keep it short. Keep it to 30 seconds. Because if it sounds good, that's what we're going to play in the air. Yeah. Basically, so it'll be your delicious voice live. Yeah, exactly. And we'll put that in, like, basically probably inside and out of the commercials or something like that. We'll just throw it in somewhere. We're not going to have a whole section, but... If you want to call, hey, this is Tom from Timbuktu, and we're having the Timbuktu Tournament Triathlon Championship. So it'll be your 15 to 30 seconds of fame. Yes, exactly. So, um, like I said, if you want to promote your tournament, we're happy to have you on and talk about it. But basically, it's a lot of time that Christopher has to spend digging through forums and, and, and websites looking for all, everybody's tournament to find out when it is and... We're just going to focus on other things. So, slight change there. Um, not a huge one, but we just wanted to let you know and uh, also to promote people using our voicemail. That's right. It's just an effort to improve the show, guys. Yeah. Uh, I can't think. Oh, one last bit of news and rumors. Mm-hmm. Just today on the website, we were talking about this when you came down. Mm-hmm. Uh, this 22nd promotional teaser came up on What's New Today on GW. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a shield. Oh, actually, what it looks like is a giant splatter of something, like whether it be paint or blood or something splattered. And then the, it must have splattered on a shield, and then someone took the shield away because there's just a shape of the shield in the in the middle of this splatter. And it kind of looks like the Route 66 shield. Um, I thought it was an Empire if, shield. For those first. outside of the United States, it's a, it's a fancy shield. Right. Uh, I thought it was an Empire shield. I was getting all excited. And then the numbers 1, 4, 5 came up, and... I'm like, okay, well, I know in England they put the date before the month, so it's the 14th May? What's this? But then it's coming March 24th, which is right about the day this will drop. So by the time this drops, you will know what it is, but I'm guessing it's their new paint range. 145 different paints? Yeah. I mean, well, plus the the actual splotch of color was changing colors, you know, through the whole rainbow. And I was reading on Bella Lost Souls. They're coming out with this whole new range of paints. New foundations. Layers will be their regular paints. They're going to have washes, glazes, dry brush paint. Extra thick paint just for dry brushing. Um, well, if that's what it is, we'll have to have a look at the product and see what they have come up with. It could be great. I, I've, I've had both good and bad experiences from GW Paints, so uh-huh. hopefully this is a... A good direction for them. Hopefully the paint's good. I'm, gl- I, I mean, I'm always happy to get new color choices, and if they're doubling their size of their paint range, I will have new color choices. There's only one part of the rumor that I haven't enjoyed reading at all, and that's what I was telling you, is that they're getting all new names for their paints. But uh, I'll just be able to comment on that more once I know whether or not it's true. But if it's true, and they're coming out with the same colors, and they gave them all new names, and now they're going to come out with a little PDF to tell me Snot Green is now this green, and... That's a pain in the ass if that's what it is. That's a pain in the ass. Yeah. So if that's what they did, that's not smart, but whatever. You know, they they have their own marketing reasons, and it makes sense to them in their boardroom. For me, at the end of it, I have to find out what my my beloved Goblin Green has become. And if you're... (laughs) And like I said, if, if by the time this comes out, it'll be out. And if they didn't change those, those names, I did read a rumor, though, that they're coming out with a new How to Paint Citadel miniatures with more updated pictures and more techniques. Like, they're actually going to... I liked the old How to Paint Citadel. When I first started painting these models, that book was amazing. I found that book to be quite invaluable. I mean, it really helped me. I don't think I ever bought that one. I bought a different, like an off-brand, not right. GW one. 
but I found it very helpful. Like I never picked up how to paint space marines. There's a whole book on just painting space marines. I'm like, give me a break. God. But uh, um, pew, pew, pew. and the thing is, I buy all that stuff though because I like I like how to build the terrain. I bought their book on how to build terrain because it gave me the basics and it made I learned how to start. You know. Uh, so I'm I waiting for them. Up. Waiting for them to make a book called How to Buy Our Products. <laughs> well, they did have on April <laughs> April Fool's last year the new book coming out, How to Roll Citadel Dice. <laughs> That was genius. I loved it. But uh, so that's, yeah, that's it. it. Apparently that just came out. I just saw that on the website. It was like in the what's new today category. So cool. Cool. Now I'm waiting for Empire News. Oh, I'm really, out. well, what I'm hoping is on that, because that's supposed to release on the 24th. Mm-hmm. And let's see, wait, it's March. So there's 31 days in March and they always release on the last Saturday of the month. So I'm guessing that it's the 31st of March. We'll see what's for pre-order for the next week. I'm saying always, but that's been their their pattern for the last six months so far. Yeah, the last Saturday of the month they announce it. Well, fingers crossed. Yep, I'd like to see some Empire. Me too. I'd like to see them, and I hope they suck. Take that, Andy. So. <laughs> <laughs> David Whitehead has gone bye bye. No, I think um, I'm actually really excited about it because I'd like to see what they do for the Empire. I'd really like to see. I'm not excited. Well, you know what? Now it becomes exciting because now that we know they're only going to do like a like a handful of magic items and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Empire is another book that's got a laundry list of stuff, and you know, yes. I mean, the odds of Van Horseman Speculum or whatever those few those few big monstrous things that they all use. Well, that's the big question: is will they continue to have those unusual engineering items on a separate page? You know, will they st- will they have more than your normal list of magic items? I don't know. Well, and the vampires did. They had vampire abilities and special items. Um, well, then chances are pretty good. Empire will have a little bit more at their disposal. And, and they be, should. And they should. Yeah. And, and it'd be cool. But I'd also like to see the actual list of magic items, which was pretty long. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, what eight or nine is, items are going to be if, there? If and they will don't, they be the if same? they don't have a little extra, ultimately they're just guys with crappy leadership and a stick. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Guys or, with crappy or, leadership and a stick that the dwarves are trying desperately to help shore up their ability to build weapons. <laughs> okay, th- you guys suck. These are guns. Use these. <laughs> <laughs> and good luck. Yeah, because I mean, what they're all toughness three for the most part too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're 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 no better than the squishy elves, except they wear really they're good armor. They're better than squishy elves because when men become heroes, their toughness goes to a four. That's true. When elves become heroes, they comb don't. their hair better. <laughs> yeah, they don't get they dumber. Have, they get better hairdos. Their initiative goes to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, we did get. Um, we did get a email, and uh, someone uh, did, did for like sort of a. They wanted us to do a, a shout out for their brawler bash. I know we just said we're not doing tournament stuff anymore, but we literally just got this before we decided. This. Well, very much like what we asked you folks to do, which is to contact us if you want us to talk about a specific tournament, and that's exactly what he did. Right. So we are looking at uh, the brawler bash, and uh, let's take a let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back. And he asked us to kind of comment on their rules pack because it's a very, I think it's a pretty unique rules pack. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll talk about that a little bit before we get to our Adepticon prep. Sounds good. Excellent. Bye. Is your name a killing word? Is your mother a hamster and your father smells of elderberries? Did it turn out that those were the droids you were looking for? If you know what I'm talking about, chances are you're a gamer. 
What better place to get your game on than the Game Preserve? The Game Preserve specializes in analog games of all types, like board games, family games, chess sets and jigsaw puzzles, and especially hobby games. They carry the complete GW line as well as Magic the Gathering, D&D, and Heroclix. They have gaming space for tournaments, game nights, and demo games just about any night of the week. So stop shopping at the Jerk Store and be one of the gaming elite. And visit the Game Preserve with four Indiana locations to choose from. Two in Indianapolis, one in Bloomington, and one in the gaming capital of the universe, Lafayette, Indiana. Visit them at GamePreserveStores.com or call 765-448-4200. Game Preserve. If you're not shopping here, the only way to move is not to play. We're back. Hey! <laughs> back, 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 back. <laughs> you just missed the edited version where I went back for a good, like, 30 seconds. If, I had, a, if I had throwing knives, I'd throw them near, not at you. <laughs> well, As a warning that. shot, yeah. I'd graze you. If I had a way to hurt you, I would hurt you just a little. If you'd fought one wit below your abilities, I'd have given you a good scar to remind you. Thanks, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> All right, Brawler Bash. Yeah. Uh, we got a... Joel Joel Busta sent us... I hope we're pronouncing that right. It sounds like it. Well, you know, contender for <laughs> coolest name of the year award, Joel Busta. Yep. Unless we're not pronouncing it right, then we apologize. In which case, uh, biggest D-bag of the year on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted us to talk about the Brawler Bash number five. Which is going to be next month, April 21st and 22nd in uh, North Raleigh. Mm-hmm. North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, in Raleigh, North the North Raleigh Hilton in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, so that okay. means that uh, the Brohammer Boys might be a part of this. Uh, I think they are. They're they I, when they were doing a show still. Um, that they, they when they started, they were talking. They were running this. In fact, when they got the list here, Eric Lindley was on the list for Player's Choice for the first Brawler Bash, and Player's Choice for Brawler Bash three as well. So there he is. Yeah, so I know they're involved with this. See, I would have chosen Pikachu myself. I always choose Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. I, I like no. I like Jigglypuff or Snorlax. He's fat and he sleeps. That's a special ability. Is that a real name of a Pokemon? Snorlax. Yes, and he sleeps. He's just there and he sleeps. That's his magical power. Well, in the game, he's blocking a bridge you have to get across, but uh, you have to do all these other things to force him to wake up. And he wakes up and he says, "Snorlax." I see. So, Brawler Bash. Brawler Bash. Brawler Bash. Fifty players. Uh, 3,000 points. Uh, no grand army rules. So this is interesting. So this is one of the first tournaments where you can take pretty much anything you want. Rather than have to pick and choose between a few toys, you get them all. Which is honestly the way I like to play it. The bigger the better. See, normally, normally I actually like a smaller battle, mm-hmm. even though I have an expensive army. But every once in a while, you should have at least one opportunity to pull out all the big guns that you want. I've gotten to the point where I don't want to play less than about 2,400. I just really, I mean, I know there's fun and there's good, there's reasons to do it. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to take the time to play, I want to put a lot of models on the table, and I want to do a lot of killing. Um, I'm fine with 24. 24 yeah. sounds great. It's one of the reasons I love Kings of War, because yeah. at a 1,500-point game, I've got an army the size of Cleveland. But in this case, 3,000, I mean, that changes your entire, that changes the entire face of the army, because you can start from scratch and really develop something. And you, yeah, you can take any. Of course, everyone else can take anything. So yeah. If, yeah, I mean. So the question is, are you taking tons and tons of units, or are you taking some really beefy characters? I would like to take a couple of nice beefy characters. I know you do because you're a VC. You want to take them all. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, they're going to have uh, five major prizes. 
the Bash Grandmaster, which is point, Battle Point Sportsmanship and Painting. Then they've got one for each of those, one for Battle Points, one for Sports, one for Appearance, and one for Sportsmanship, and then Player's Choice. You get three hours a game for 3,000 points. Not bad. You got to have the April lists in by April, the army list in by April 7th. If you miss the deadline submission, you lose out on fi- the bonus 500 points. This is a huge. You can get 5,000 points a game. This mm-hmm. is a different. This is not the 20 nil system that we've been using at bits and a lot of places have been using around no, it's, here. No, it's an entirely different scoring system. Now, I've heard other tournaments in England. They've been t- they they play at some tournaments where they have stuff like this. Um, I've never played in a tournament like this. I think it would be really interesting. I'd be willing to give it a shot. So it's you get two thousand for a win, thousand for a draw, five hundred for a loss, and on top of that, you would also get the number of points that you've scored off your opponent. Yes. So you get two thousand for a win, and if you can score three thousand points off your opponent, you can get the the maximum points you can get for a round is five thousand. Right. They're going to cap it at five. So if if you table them, so then you get your three thousand plus their generals and banners. You don't get all that extra. You get three thousand. So if you won and you had two thousand, so the max you can score is three. Okay. True. But the nice thing about that is if you both beat the tar out of each other and you lose by like 300 points, but you he's got 300 on the table and you've got See, nothing. That's, that's something, though, because the differential sometimes doesn't necessarily say, uh, is not an indicator of how well you actually performed. If you nearly tabled each other in a very close fight, but the other person won, you're still going to get a lot of points. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I sort of like about the 20 nil system that they use at bits and you hear a lot in, on the on the English tournament scene. Because I've always thought that the win-loss draw, you just get a set amount of points. Right. You know, if I win by 101 points every game and another guy wins every game and tables his opponents, we've got the same points. See, I like this because what it means is that you're less concerned about giving your points to your opponent. You're Instead, you're more focused on, I'm just going to score as many from you as I can. And an Orc and Goblin player can take advantage. You're We're not playing denial. This, this, not, this is not a, den, a points denial type of tournament. This is a, get, you're going to war. Kill, kill, I like it. kill. Remember the discussion you and I had uh, about like Mangler Squigs and all the grenade right. units from the Orcs and Goblins? They can take advantage of a rule system like this, and I like that. Yeah. So um, They're allowing all your basic lists. Uh, Chaos Dwarf is the Tamarcon list. Yeah, pretty much at this point, that's the only Chaos Dwarf list anymore. Well, I mean, there are places that are... I mean, I know there's a tournament coming up that's only a lot, that's making them use the NDGT list. Still? I heard some come up. Yep. But it's not supported by the designer anymore. But it's there. It exists. It has an FAQ, and mm-hmm. not everybody's buying the Tamarcon book, and people... As, as much as it says it's an official list... Some people aren't buying into it, and I don't know why. Well, I mean, it's expensive. Okay, fine. Uh, just bear in mind that the Indy GT list, the designer of the list, isn't supporting it himself anymore. No, maybe, maybe, he's, unless, he's gonna, unless he's he wants to turn around it, and tell me otherwise. Gonna, yeah, but he said he's not updating it. He's not going to do any more right. FAQs. For, in his mind, Tamarcon is the list. So the guy who wrote the NDG li- DGT list is, is promoting the Tamarcon list. So. Well, but this one is supporting Tamarcon, and I'm glad to hear it. Very happy. As it should be. Um uh, let me read. I love this. <laughs> Go for it. Read it. This is the Brawler Bash, not the Timid Tussle or the Scaredy Cat Shakedown. As such, bonus battle points will be awarded by giving your opponent a proper knock. These bonus bash points are earned by each player win. Okay, so that's basically what we just said. Your bonus points are however many points you score against your enemy. So this isn't sit back. This isn't a point. Like, sorry, it's not points denial. You can get up to 5,000 points, and you are expected to try and table your opponent. Which is, like I said, that's... I like that. I, I think that's fun. 
it, when we're playing in the basement, that tight game where we went on the last couple of dice rolls is exciting. It sucks to be the guy who's getting handed his hat, especially at a tournament. But at least now if you're getting handed your hat, you're not I – mean, he's supposed to. It's, it's, just, it's just, you know. It, it changes the strategy enough where you can now play a game where you don't necessarily mind giving up a close loss as long as you've taken off a lot because you're still scoring something. Yeah. And that's great. That's great. Uh, let's see. And ties for Grandmaster, uh, first tiebreaker is sportsmanship, second, second tiebreaker is paint score. Okay. Let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like, yes, yeah, so battle points and paint sports. Army comp. No grand army rules. Special characters will be allowed. Now, I like this. It says, basically, it said in the rules, you just, anything that's allowed, you know, follow your, your army book. Mm-hmm. The TO reserves the right to veto any army that is utter blight. I don't expect it to come to that, but there it is in black and white in case it's necessary. So if you're taking total filth, and I suppose, I mean, that's subjective. I could see people not liking that rule. Um, I could totally see people getting kind of pissed off at that rule. But he just basically says he doesn't think it's going to, I mean, you're expecting people to bring a hard list. So I don't think a hard list is going to get, I don't, I don't know what would be considered total blight. It's hard to, well, I don't think people will know until they see it. But I suppose it's possible that someone could look at a list and say, this isn't fun to play, this isn't going to be fun for the tournament, and it's not good for the community to let this happen. So the TO has the right to do it, but my guess is that he won't. Yeah, it probably won't happen. But it's nice that he puts it there. Listen, if you're coming with something that's just completely out of line, in fact, we were discussing... At 3,000 points, you could take 1,500 points of Mornfang Cav. You could take, like, what is it, like, I think about four units of five and give them command, and I think that would fit almost. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of, excuse me, that's a lot of beatdown that people don't want to see. Or I suppose with that many points, you could just be taking huge Death Stars. You could. I'll take a unit of 100 Graveguard. <laughs> Here, play against that. Purple Sun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, yeah. try and think of stuff that that people are going to look at you and be like, "Really, I hate you." I'm going to take a giant block of a hundred uh, chaos warriors because they have a higher initiative, and purple sun won't work as well against them. No, against them, it has to be something else, yeah, like you know, dwellers or something. Right, but still, it's just like, ugh, you know. But I think I, you know, that's all I could. That's all I was able to come up with. But I just like the idea that if you see the ultimate douchey list, he's. No, no, come on, come on. Oh, let's see. Now, we should, I suppose, mention, for those who are interested in attending, it's going to be April 21st, 22nd. It's 40 bucks if you pay by March 26th, so you will get a chance. By the time you hear this, you'll be close. Yeah. Uh, 50 after that. Yep. And I also had the, here it is, Uh, the Army List submission deadline is the 7th of April. Uh, you're going to get bonus points for being on time with your list. So try and do that. If you're going to play, it's in North Carolina. If you're in the location, so try and get your list in by then. Yep. Uh, their sportsmanship rules. I like this. We've learned one thing from their past bashes. Everyone's a good sport. So they've got a sports scoring system that provides more separation and scores. Okay. I like this, too. Basically, you go to tournaments, and it's rate them on a 0 to 5. And half the time, you get all 4s or 5s. So what they've done is at the end of five games, they will rank their opponents in order with one being the one they enjoyed the most. This is like what you and I had to deal with with Invasion Kenosha, where, look, you're going to like everyone you play. Therefore, we're going to make you work at this. You're going to have to rate them one, two, and three. Now, there is the risk that you just— Or in this case, one through five. 
there is the risk that the guy you pounded on gets your number one and the guy who pounded on you gets your number five, which, you know, and I, I – But but the same can be said of any sports-based score where it's true. like, you know what, he was really nice, but I'm only going to give him a three versus, well, right. he's my best friend, I'm going to give him a five. Well, and I know that uh, even John said, you know, this is sportsmanship. This isn't who beat you the worst to who you, who you beat the worst. So – as long as you're not being, as long as you're not docking people for position or something like that, it's a soft point score, right? Just be honest. And it sounds like this is a good group of players anyway. It's like us; we have a really good group of players, and it's not something we have to worry about. But here's very the much. nice thing: this is where you can really well. Here's someone like McClure would clean up. So because the you know you can get five thousand points per round, you're going to play five players, so you're going to get five scores. Mm-hmm. If you get ranked number one, that's 500 points. So you can get 20. If you get ranked number one by all five of your opponents. I think it's actually the other way. Uh, five is the highest. No, I said n- number one being your most enjoyable opponent. Oh, you're absolutely right. Okay. So you must do this and turn it in to have your game five results counted. So you have to choose. Um, so the, pay, the the player with the lowest total wins Bash Crasher. So that's the And the tiebreaker is battle points. So See, I don't mind that. You get to compare all the players you had at the end of it all and say, you know what? These were all good games. This is the guy who I'd love to play again. Yeah. So, But there's you, there's five people you're playing, so you could conceivably get five number ones. Multiple people could get five number ones. The tiebreaker then goes to battle points. So if, if, if three people all got ranked five ones, then you say, well, who got the highest battle points? Because the person who kicked people's butts the hardest and still got ranked at number one... <laughs> you know, they always say, if, if if like when I got Luthered at Adepticon last year, when someone handed me my hat, force fed it to me, and I liked it, that's you. That's a really you know, that's a good score. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So, and for those who don't know, Luthered means he would played Gary Luther <laughs> and Gary and, Luther's dwarf. To play just... Gary Luther is to get Luthered, meaning. <laughs> To lose significantly. It was my dwarfs against his, and when we set up, he actually talked me through the game and was giving me tips on playing. Basically looked at me and said, no, let's pretend you have a chance at winning this. And it wasn't like offensive or rude. It was just like... It was a fact. Yeah. <laughs> because Gary should probably have like some sort of community college class on how to play dwarfs. <laughs> oh, that would be so awesome to That'd teach. That would be cool. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Today we're going to learn how to play. Yep. So your sports score uh, will count towards your overall score will be between 1,500... And twenty five hundred. So if you, oh, see now here they're being nice. If you get ranked five by all your opponents, you'd only get five hundred points. Mm-hmm. The minimum you can get is fifteen hundred points. Oh, so it's a thousand point spread. But this way, you don't feel bad if you you know. And also, it, it also keeps people from saying, "Well, this guy's got a jerky list. He's a nice guy, but he beat me." Yeah. The guy who whoops everybody's butt and winds up getting fives for it is still going to get 1,500. So, so it, they're mitigating that. It also covers your emotional bases if you look at your your sports score and it's like, oh, well, I got 1,000. Okay. Well, and it, like I said, but it mitigates some of that that factor of if you you know if you pound on everyone and you're a nice guy and they just rate, well, you beat me, so I'm going to give you a little sportsmanship. You know, the, basically... The lowest it works as is is basically getting ranked by all three. Actually, that's that very medium. clever because it gets around the problem of like punishing people, yes, uh, unfairly. But it, it it's it's only a reward for the people you thought were absolutely the best. I like that. I like that. It's very yeah. well. That's clever. I like that a lot. I hate it. It's all bad. <laughs> Two painting prizes: bash, brush, and player's choice. So once again, you get the best painted from the judges and the best and the the player's choice. 
Uh, you can get up to 10 points for painting. Now, this is weird. You do not have to have your army painted for this tournament. But if you don't have it painted, you cannot win any of the five major prizes. Not even the leg lamp? Not even the leg lamp. Oh. You know, you, it depends. You can win. There are door prizes, and you can win door prizes just for being there. So maybe there's a leg lamp door prize. And okay. if there's not, they should get one. Huh? <laughs> but I like this that it's like this, this goes back to that weird painting talk we had of, listen, if you're new to this and you want to play and you want to be a part of this play, um, I have heard other people say, listen, if I pay $40, I don't want to sit uh, and play against gray plastic. This, this is actually interesting because some people complain that they don't really want to play against unpainted armies. But the question is, do you expect to see competitive players with an unpainted army if they can't win anything? In a situation like this, all of the unpainted armies are likely to people who just want to learn how. Well, that was my whole discussion back when I said making the paint scores worth like 90% of the overall score. Remember I said that? If you have your three-color minimum, the base is so high mm-hmm. that you can come with an unpainted army, but you, you're automatically out. Now, here's the funny thing. A painted army has only got to be 75% painted. Armies with more than one-quarter of the models unpainted will receive a zero. So my, my guess, though, is that if you're competing for best painted, you're going to have it all done well. Well, true. But I'm saying armies with a minimal effort applied to them, the bare minimum three colors get a three. This will also be applied for armies that are mostly painted but have some unpainted models. So if some of your models are unpainted, you get a three. So, I mean, a technically one unpainted model out of a scale of one to ten, you're getting a three. This is a bit subjective, and it's not at the detail that you'd see, like, for Adepticon. Yeah. Most armies will get a 5. Standout armies get an 8. The best army and those in consideration for it will receive a 10. So, Fair enough. I mean, it, it's vague as hell. Now, that I think will get... Mul- like, the score will ultimately get multiplied by 250, right? Yes, the score gets... So, a 10 is worth 2,500 points. So, once again, if you get a 10, that's worth a win. That's worth, you know, half of a, half of a maximum score in one game. Uh, there will be at least two judges. Preferably, they'll have three or more. So your score will be the average of all the judges. So when you get hmm. so, let's say you get a judge in there who's really really good and judging people based on their ability and <laughs> say sucks 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 and they're just giving out straight fives and everyone else is giving them eights, you get the average. Well, so, I like that. I like that. So you got a good cop, a bad cop, and somewhere in between, and a RoboCop, and a RoboCop. <laughs> Harrison just heard of RoboCop. Like last week, and he, Robo. He's like they called it. I explained him what it was. He's like that sounds so cool. But wait a minute, they called him RoboCop. He's like, how lame of a name is that? And I'm like, in '86, it was a cool name. No, wait, I was just 16, so '88. In 1988, RoboCop was a cool name. It wasn't '88. It was earlier than that. Well. Whatever, this is so far off the path. It was rated R, and I wasn't quite old enough to go in on my own. I think it was either 85 or 86. I think it's 85, yeah. Yeah. I I was still pretty I was working at my mom's shop, so I was either 15 or 16. I I couldn't drive yet. I was working as a waitress in a cocktail Cocktail bar. bar? That much is not not (laughs) true. Stop it. Anyway, uh, we should talk about... uh, The paint score is interesting. It's it's relatively simple. It's 1 through 10. They did have a weird caveat in here. uh, It was interesting, but I, I didn't... They believe this is a hobby and not just a board game. So armies will be rewarded for effort and overall theme, not only technical ability. So you could be in a reward for... 
if you have a really good theme and you tried real hard and they saw you were making an effort, even if it wasn't the best painted or the best conversions, if they see you were putting in that effort and it was decent, you can get a better score than maybe you deserve. Well, I like that. You put a lot of effort, you breathe some life and some hobby and some enthusiasm into your army, you're going to re- get rewarded for it. It's very cool. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a like at parts of it I look at it and go crap it's sort of vague. I don't I don't know if I like it and then I turn around and say but it's really actually quite nice because they're trying to reward you for hobbying. Uh last bit is the okay, this is the part that I'm really excited about. Now the terrain is fixed mm-hmm. unless of course you have spells that move it and then they say put it back. Right. Um if it doesn't say anything special about the terrain, you roll off mysterious for it. terrain. So have yeah. Mysterious terrain. That's pretty normal. Um they have these cards. Right. They're described as the battlefield and strategy cards. There are six. Okay. Now you're going to be able to play one. It's once deployment, but Prior to scouts. Yeah, so after you deploy, but before the scouts, you look over the battlefield, and you will have five cards. Now, I told you, this reminds you of Malifaux, like how you can pick schemes. After you get your job, you can say, oh, I can never, I'm never going to win that scenario. So I can take like a little side thing to get me some points. Right. For those who don't play Malifaux effectively, each of these cards defines a, an additional victory condition for you. And rather than, there will be scenarios in this in this uh, tournament, but these are additional Ways to score additional victory points and also special rules that you can take advantage of. <laughs> Read the second bold one there. Unique scenarios will be used for all five games. These will be based on the book scenarios, so plan accordingly. <coughs> fortitude. <coughs> yeah, it says cough, fortitude, cough. So make sure you got some banners. Banners, kids. Take them. Dude, I, I'll never banners, forget. Banners, that's what's for dinner. Dude, I mean, you know, we joked in Adepticon how at the top table on the last round last year, those orc war machines blasted off the, enough to get him to have to drop his fortitude and lose yeah, it at he, the top of turn one. He won on the top of one. There were at least at least three players who didn't bring enough. They couldn't play. They didn't have enough fortitude in their army. They lost before the game started. Yep. I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. It's still kind of shocking. Well, it might, but let's let's take advantage of this podcast. Listen to what we say. <laughs> Listen to us. We know our Warhammer. If you're going to play in a tournament, read the rules for Blood and Glory. Take advantage of reading the rules for Blood and Glory. (laughs) Because it comes... That is in every tournament I play in. There's a Blood and Glory scenario. Because it's a good scenario. It's... Yeah, I mean, it's basically just a simple battle line, but with one additional interesting rule that could change everything. Read the rules. Buy some banners. Don't forget. Yep. So, uh... You'll be sorry. You want to run through these cards? Because I love yeah, this. Yeah. This is cool. I'll, I'll, I'll take, take card one. Card one is called Take the Field. Uh, plus 500 for controlling more table quarters than your opponent at the end of the game. Just a little bit like 7th edition. Uh-huh. To control a table quarter, you need to have fortitude there. That is a general or a banner. The most fortitude in a quarter controls the quarter. So it's not contestation. It's quantity. Uh, in the event of a tie, then neither player. And so, but if you have your general in there... Mm-hmm. Generals are two. worth two. He's got a unit of fifty guys with a banner. You win it because your fortitude's two. His is one. That's it's right. not how many models are in there. It's not unit strength like it used to be in seven. Now is the BSB two also? BSB counts as two. So or, I, I believe yeah, it does in the. In the so list. it's interesting because toward the end of I the game, you might even we'll have to double check that, guys. If we're sorry or if we're wrong, yeah, if I'm wrong, I'm but, wrong. What but do the I interesting care? thing about this is that characters like that, you might be tempted to, to branch them on at the last turn of the game. Spread out your BSB one direction, your general in another. Yeah, to get your points, because that's an extra 500. Uh, the cards have two two abilities, though. The first part is this additional advantage for... Now, 
That was your bonus. You get 500 points for doing table quarters. You're playing this card, and your opponent could be playing a different one, So, but they'll count for both of you. The special rule that's attached to this card is called... Well, it won't count for... Like, if you play this card, and I have more table quarters than you, I don't get 500. Oh, you, the other opponent would just contest it. So yes, you have to, you, I could stop you from getting these points. So I could stop you from scoring, but I don't score off of your card. Right. Now, the special rules attached to this, in addition to take the field, is one core unit or solo character may make a vanguard move. All normal vanguard rules apply. Units already capable of vanguard uh, don't receive any additional bonus. <laughs> Double vanguard. I'm going to move two feet. So this is cool because one of your guys can vanguard, especially nice if you happen to be playing dwarves. Suddenly you're pretty far afield. Yeah. If you want to be far afield. But this is cool because five cards, there's five rounds, so you play one every round, mm -hmm. and it's your little bonus, like, what do I want? And then there's the sixth card. Should we cover the sixth card? Because the sixth card, like, nullifies the other ones. We can go through them. Why don't you go ahead and read number six right now? Okay. This card is usable only once in the tournament. So this one is not, you don't do this one after the deployment, but before the scout. This is like the random card that pops up at some point. Uh before any 2d6 roll is made, but not before a re-roll, such as like the battle standard gets. So if you roll it and fail it, you don't get to use this as your BSB roll. You have to use it before the first roll. Player may employ your lucky day. Automatically makes the result a 7 without rolling any dice. Note that it can't be used to change two dice within a number of other dice rolled. It must be a 2d6 roll and not a 3d6 roll, for example. So if you're rolling like ten dice for an, you know, you can't just say, "Oh, I rolled all this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make these two a seven. It doesn't work that way. Um, additionally, lizard men may use it for a single leadership test as well as any other because they have the three d six leadership right. tests, uh, except for the reroll such as given by the battle standard bear. Lucky day may not be used for the winds of magic. You can't use it to make sure you get at least seven power dice. Uh, it may only affect the dice of the person playing the card. Uh, and the alternate use is um, when after both players have chosen their scenario. So I play my card number two. You play card number four. I can use my lucky day card and say, oh, no, you're not getting the special rule at the bottom. You right. still get the bonus. The, you, I can't stop you from getting the bonus victory conditions. But your special rule is nullified by my lucky day. So in the one I just read before, take the field, I would still gain... Table quarters, potentially. But you don't get the Vanguard. I don't get the Vanguard. This Pretty is cool. <laughs> I love this system. So there's going to be you're going to be playing one card at least every round, uh, one, you know, right before the and game starts. And once you play it, it's gone. You turn it in with your sheet, yeah. so you won't have it. And then there's one game in particular where you're going to be playing at least one through five, and then also card number six, which is the one you just read, Dave. Right. I like it. Um, how about if I read card number two, then? Take card number two, yeah. So this one's called No Glory and Death, and you're going to get plus 500 victory points for keeping your most expensive unit slash model, which is to say non-character. So like if you have a dragon or something. Yeah, above half for the entire battle. Above half what? Suppose that means above half health? Keeping your most expensive unit. So points. Well, model. Mo uh, expensive model. So if it's a dragon above half, I guess that would mean health, right? Yeah, In it's got to be health. Yeah, okay. yeah cause, uh, how, how could you figure points on that? Right. But it's for the entire game. So you can't get him down to one wound and then heal him back up. So that's an... Uh, it's got to be the entire For keeping. Battle. I see what you're saying. You're right. I, the entire I would ask, but I, think I would I would think that you're right in that case. That's an interesting one because the one you had the most investment in, you have to ba you have to baby it a little bit. Well, and it keeps my v keeps your VC from uh, you're going to keep regrowing it. Mm -hmm. 
but if they can take it down to nothing, you can't regrow it back and get your points. They gotta. It's interesting because some of these cards are better for some players. I guess you would. You just. I don't know. I mean, well, like look at the lucky day. We were discussing lucky day for dwarfs, for elves, anyone with leadership seven or better. It's great. If you're taking an all goblin army, yeah, or if you're uh, playing with skinks who have a leadership of six, or if you're playing with hobgoblins, or yeah, anything like I that. I mean, it doesn't only have to be a leadership roll, though. I mean, it could be something else, maybe something you do want to roll higher. It's any two d six roll. So, but uh, the special rules for no glory and death: the player of this card automatically wins the roll to see who goes first. They may then choose to go first or allow their opponent to go first. This is huge. Uh, if both players choose this card, then roll off is normal. That's something else. That's really good. Yeah, that's uh, cool. There are some armies that feel as though they've got it in the bag if they go first, and this is a really good one. And yeah, and you save this one up until you look at the guy across the table and say, "I need to go first, and I gotta go first. Mm-hmm. Um, go for it. Uh, card number three plus five hundred points for killing the army general. Killing the opponent's general equals not being alive for any reason <laughs> at the end of the game. Seems so, pretty clear. Well, I mean, if they run off the table, I'm assuming they're not alive for any reason. I don't have to actually kill you if you break and flee off the table, I get the points. Uh, well, if you're off the table, you count as being destroyed. Yes. But I'm saying you're killing opponent's general equals general not alive for any reason. So, I mean... Well, I would, well, I would, I would general, count it. If I run you off the table, I think that counts as yeah, kill. I, I think it yeah. does, but I, I, this is to prevent people saying, well, you didn't kill him. I killed myself. I cascaded my general off the table. You didn't kill him. I killed myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still get the points. If your general's dead at the end of the game... Special rule, your general receive, <laughs> your general gives a rousing speech to spur his or her troops to victory. At the start of any one of your turns, you may declare that you're using this special rule and get plus one leadership to your general up to ten. This lasts till the start of your next turn. So if you've got a leadership ten general, this special rule means nothing, nothing. to you. But, but if you don't. If you don't, it's helpful. And it's for one turn. It's not bad. Yep. Number four is called Broken Arrow. It's plus 500 victory points for having all of your dispel power dice generating characters units alive at the end of the game. That's not an easy thing to do. So if you have none of either to start with, you automatically get these points. Right. So that's interesting because you can actually score an additional 500 points if you build your army a certain way. So if you're playing corn, I guess. Um, Yeah. If you're taking a no-magic army... Well, they've worked before. Special special rules for Broken Arrow is, for the first turn of this game, all your opponent's spells miscast in a double one, as well as a double six, and note that double ones do not automatically cause... uh, Irresistible force. That's right. Well, if you're taking a no-magic army, this is... Okay, and and a no-dispel. All of your dispel or power dice generating characters... Well, I mean, you can have a... Well, you couldn't take a dispel scroll unless you had someone who could generate... Dispel or power dice. It used to be with the old Chaos Dwarf list that there, you could take an arcane item on someone who could not generate dice, but then right. that no longer exists. That's certainly not in this player's pack uh, because you're playing Tamarcon, not not in DGT. Only Runesmiths can take Dispel runes, even so, and they generate dice, don't they? They generate dice. There you go. So you don't take them though. You don't get a Dispel rune. So no Dispels, no anything. But then for that one turn. Your opponent's got to watch what he's doing. So Broken Arrow might be pretty good for uh, dwarves, like like honorable dwarves, true dwarves, true dwarves. True. I'm not, I, I, I don't I don't think I've ever taken a dwarf list that didn't have a whole bunch of dispel, though, to stop your magic phase. The challenge is how many of them did you take? Because if you lose any of them, the more you take, the, the harder it is to do it. Yep, yep. 
Cool card. All right, uh, and last card. Live to fight another day. 500 bonus points for having a unit that successfully flees from a charge is not caught. That's 500 bonus points for having a unit that successfully well, you have to lose a combat and run and not get caught. Live to fight another day. Yeah. So I just, mean, you just don't want to uh, Charge your wolves into something. <laughs> take 10 and then run. Hope yeah, if they don't all die. Well, yeah. They, they can't all die and they can't get caught. A bad roll. In the, you know, how many times do you want to... I mean, this is, this is the one you're using because you've used up all your other cards because you're like... <laughs> well, if somebody charges you, you just can choose to flee. Oh, that's... So it's relative, potentially. Success, it's, oh, successfully flees from a charge. I totally misread that. I, I was thinking breaks from... Okay, so yeah. I was thinking breaks from combat. Uh, actually, I suppose that asked the TO. No, it says flees from a charge, yeah. so it wouldn't be... I was I was picturing oh, I from a charge. combat and run away. No, not flees from a combat. Flees from a no, charge. No, I'm not reading. If your army contains no units or characters capable of fleeing at the start of the game, then you may earn 500 points if one of your characters refuse a challenge during the game that's not a champion. So, oh, yeah, because I can't flee. My whole army undead, we don't, I cannot flee. So then I'd have, I would have to take, I would have to refuse a challenge. This is difficult for the warriors of chaos because many of them frenzy and uh-huh. can't flee. And then characters cannot refuse challenges from their army. They can't refuse challenges. So this one is interesting. I wonder how. Oh, that kind of does. That's one that's going to really. Well, not every unit can. Ch- I mean, th- there are units There's, in the warrior's army that can flee. Right, and you don't have so, to take Frenzy. Right. So what? Uh, what's the special rule? Add D3 inches to one of your flea charge reactions during a battle. It must be declared pirate rolling the dice. So if you're pretty far away and just want to give yourself that little extra oomph, I'm running it's, real fast. It's funny because it's, it's, it's a built-in way to get the hell out of Dodge, <laughs> but... Um, it's also the way to it, get those points. It's not a way to win. Yeah, No, it's not. I get 500 points for... Running away, and that's not what I want to do. I love these cards. I think this is a. I think this is an inspired idea, and it, and I would love to try these. Yeah, uh, that's that's the whole that's the whole thing. Um, I, I I'm kind of jealous. I'd like to go and try this out. This seems like a hell of a lot of fun. Um, seems like a really fun tournament. Now you could contact them. Let's see here. Uh, Army lists are due no later than April seventh. Please email them in either text, Word, or Excel to OCB. Um, I don't know if that stands for maybe Obsessive Compulsive Boy at coordinator at yahoo.com. OCB coordinator dot yeah. I don't know, but I think you might have just. No, someone's going to come over. Orange here. carbon blue. Someone's going to punch you in the ding ding. Ogilvy crispy banana. OCB guys, that's what it's. I don't know what it stands for. Off color Barnett. Off color Barnett. That's that's Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> that's redundant. This looks right. great. It looks like a lot of fun. Okay, so we're gonna take a break and come back with the garage manager section. Brought to you by Castle. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll use this old army book as a hill and uh, we'll use this soda can as the Dark Tower of Darkness, okay? Take your game to the next level with Weird World's Terrain. Our products are handcrafted and cast in lightweight, durable plastic resin that's sure to stand up to the rigors of battle. We're adding new products all the time, so if you're tired of the same boring hills and forests on your table, make Weird World's Terrain your destination for tabletop wargaming terrain. WeirdWorldsTerrain.com What's your world? Check this out. Back, 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 back. 
Thanks, Easter Bunny. All right, so we're back, and uh, it's time for the garage manager section. These people's tried to fade me. <laughs> code Z, code Z, one, two, one, two. I got money, but not much. I could use a dollar. I could use a couple bucks. All right, so who brought? Who brings us this here garage manager section there, partner? That would be Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Orc Superstore. Okay, uh, Christopher, you done any modeling? Actually, it's been pretty pathetic for me for the past couple of weeks. Ever since the UGG primer, I have not really been able to do very much at all. So the only thing I can say of any real import is that I went to the store to pick up some of the new um, the new wolves. The they space were, wolves? This, they were actually intended for space wolves, but they are beautifully sculpted just wolves themselves. Uh-huh. And they are going to be some hobgoblin uh, wolf riders. A lot of people, are, I read on Twitter, are taking them instead of dire wolves because they like their look ah, better. Uh, yeah, they're nice models. They're very nice models. They're really, really nice models. So in any case, they're very nice. They look really good. They come together well. They're very dynamic. So when you have them ranked up, they're just leaping all over the place. They just look like they're sort of... Do lo- they rank up well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, they came with round bases, so they will rank up well on the uh, twenty-five by fifties. But it's fun to look at them. They're they're just they're sort cool. of le- leaping in different directions, and luckily they do have uh, recesses on the back so that you can put riders on them. And in my case, I have so many extra old hobgoblin wolf riders that I can just pick and choose between the ones I want. Cool. Unfortunately, that's all the modeling I have. I have done no hobby whatsoever. It's been like that. So. Eesh. Um, that's why I don't make hobby commitments. I every week is different. See, but that, that's why I make the hobby commitment because it's like, okay, I told all forty of our listeners that I'm going to do this. Yeah, but you know, I mean, work comes first. <laughs> well, true, but ask yourself this: Have you been playing any video games the last couple of weeks? Have you been capital F? Yes, I have been. Well, see, there you go. So you have chosen to use your hobby time for a different hobby. I have not been playing video games as much as there's a couple of games I've wanted to play because it's like no I got to plus I got to get it done for Adepticon. So see this is part of the reason I didn't decide to do Adepticon is like uh, I, I, there's a chance that I might do Blood Bowl if they Yay. open it up for more players. But the thing is nice thing about Blood Bowl it's 12 models. Yep. I mean even yep. I can do that. Well, I got my Mortis engine about 85% done. There are one, two, three, four pieces that are not glued to the model because I want to finish painting the bits. Sure. It's the little front of the cage, the uh, the reliquary that goes inside the cage, the dude, and the book. Uh, and those are all base-coated with their base colors. I just have to highlight them and stuff like that and then put them on. Uh, I also didn't finish the flames on the skeletons. Other than that, I got most of this done. Uh, i got to say probably the best paint job I've ever done. It's pretty cool. Like, I've used a whole bunch of different techniques. I will admit I read the uh, the how-to paint guide that was in the White Dwarf. Okay. I didn't use the same colors, but I used the techniques. I actually learned a lot about techniques on painting stone, 
uh, getting different weird colors in your stone, how each stone is going to age and weather differently with different colors. Yeah. Uh, so that worked really well. Uh, I built... For, for, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. For some no, reason, what you just said reminded me. One of the persons that we both know on Twitter, uh, I mentioned her before, Annie. Uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, last time I gave a shout-out to her was for her impressive work on some crypt horrors, and then she immediately had them damaged, so I felt like a jerk. Oh, I know. So she fixed them, luckily. But uh, one of the funnier twi- uh, Twitters that I saw from her was um, she had mentioned, uh, you know, the beautiful warm summer day, perfect time for being indoors, painting rocks to look like rocks. <laughs> so, so you were talking about learning about how to paint rocks to look like rocks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you start off with the one color, and then you dry brush the edges of the stone, but then it was like, put a little green stipple here so it looks like a little bit mossy growth on the stone. That's and then, Isn't it funny that it actually doesn't look real until you have to paint it? Right. I never figured that. Yeah, it's just... And then, uh, and then it was like uh, a bit of a green wash. I took green wash, because the stones, they're not flat. They've got little dips in them. Okay. So on a couple of the stones, I just dripped some green wash in it. So it darkened the stone, but gave it a bit of a weird green hue. Because, you know, like if you look at a bunch of stones on a walk, they're not all going to be the exact same color. No, they rarely are. So then I just, just then I took a little bit of a mud wash and did a couple other stones. So I didn't overdo it, but they all have a slightly different tint and hue to them that I think actually, like like I said, Chris, you was looking at it, and he's like, wow, you know this? He goes, and he actually said, he's like, your, your painting skills, I've seen them actually getting better as you've been painting these different models. But I'm like, wow, I, I really... I'm really kind of proud of how this is turning out. It looks really cool. I also like the the sort of green bale fire colored lanterns you have handling uh, hanging off the back. Yeah, and that I was just totally winging it. <laughs> I'm like, this might work, and it's like, oh no, I like this. Well, it's an impressive model, folks. If you haven't had a chance to actually pick up and look at a mortise engine, there's a lot to look at. Uh, David, you've done a very good job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best model I've ever done. And I will say this. I have spent almost as much time on this one model as I spent doing one of the entire sets for the Dwarf King's Hold. It's a pretty good model. For me to pop Oh, remember how you said one of these days I just want to hear how you just, instead of did doing 30 models in 14 hours, I want to hear you did one model for 14 hours. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting close to it with this model. And it's showing. Uh, I'm I'm really pleased with it. I would be too if I were you. Uh, Very did, good job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did do some building. What'd you build? Well, for Adepticon, I got to finish up my thousand point demons to go with my team tournament. Oh with yeah, Matt. yeah, yeah. So I built six flamers, fifteen pink horrors, twenty two blood letters, and I built my box of ten dire wolves because I was still working. How are those demons to put together? They're easy to put together. Um, but because the ones I had were all metal, so these all of these models oh, are no, new these to me. are all plastic. Okay. They're they're easy easy pieces I mean, to put I'm, together. We're talking fourth and fifth editions. The last time I played with demons, so this is these all of these models are a new range for me. I've never played with. I them. have two beefs. Okay, uh, pink horrors come with the two to f- two to four arm options, and they give you a bunch of arms. Yeah, but uh, there are several of them where their arms go out to the left and right. They don't Instead rank. of four, they, they don't, don't rank. Well, here's the thing: as I built them, I learned, and I know. Do you have to play Tetris with them? Well, this is something that I should have learned a long time ago. But building these demons, I literally sat there and built the models and tried to pick out models where if they where the, if if the arm went out on one side, it didn't on the other. Mm-hmm. If it went really far forward with a hand, that it didn't with the other. And then I didn't glue any of them to their bases until okay, I got the command. I built those so they could rank next to each other. And then I was putting the model on the base and then twisting the model on the base until it was positioned where it could be next to the other model. Then I glued it to the base, and then I numbered it. Okay. Uh, you have to do that with the pink horrors because they're arms. And the stupid 
damn blood letters. Okay, I'm a blood letter. I'm a pretty big model as it is. I got one claw arm that might go out. Then I hold my sword. Some of them hold them swords up. Some of them hold them sticking way the hell out in front of them. Like, way. Like, if you put it, the feet all the way on the back of the model, the sword is still way out. I did. I had to Tetris those. And there were there are models that when I finally got them all ranked up, where the blood letter in front has got his arms a bit out to the side and holding a sword, and the guy behind him's sword is between his arm and his chest. I actually have some spearmen like that where I literally, okay, this guy always has to be behind this guy. And I have them numbered, and I actually numbered them because I, I did them five across. So I numbered them one, two, three, four, five, A, and then one, two, three, four, five, B, C, D, E, F, because I had 30. And this way, if I need to take them off the back and go hoard... I know that these guys that have to be behind them are numbered. I numbered them that way instead so I could break them off the back and move them up to the front and know which guys go where. It's that stupid. (laughs) It's that stupid. Um, I know that the models themselves look nice. They're 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 great. Yeah. But they are the worst to try and rank up. They are the worst. So you put together a whole bunch. You've been working on your demon or your more, sorry, demon engine, mortis engine. I've been keeping track month to month. Built, then primed, then based, then painted, then then finished. Okay. And uh, my list is getting long already because of all these damn zombies and uh, and ghouls and stuff that I painted and I've been working on. Uh, it's getting long. It's going to be pretty impressive by the end of the year how much vampire stuff I built. Cool. Uh, but that's all my modeling. So have you done any reading? Uh, reading, no reading to speak of that has anything to do with the hobby, uh, other than a little bit of Blood Bowl. I discovered a site, I don't remember that guy's name, but, um, there's a Blood Bowl site that I've been looking at, and they've got some really interesting, uh, just tactics articles, which which are my favorite. Tactics articles are my favorite. Yeah. Other than that, not a lot of reading, but focusing more on music. Uh, that's kind of my direction recently. I haven't had a lot of time to read, especially when I'm at work and I've got nothing else to do. I find that... Audiobooks can be distracting. Pod, you know, podcasts are a little better, but I've just been trying to find music. Um, nothing new. Going back to old stuff, listening to Coltrane and Claude Debussy and things like that. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. cool. Nothing. How about you? I finished Battle for the Abyss. Yeah. It was great, and it was the first book to feature the Ultramarines. And I know 40k players make fun of the Ultramarines, but it seems to be because in the fluff they're the best, <laughs> and so everybody Ult- Ultramarines. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess they're the most reliable, right? I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I know they exist. Uh, I, someone recently told me that the leader is like Reboot or something. Yeah. They're, they're always talking for, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's G-U-I-L-L-I-M-A-N. Gilliman? I, I don't know how you pronounce it because I keep saying Gilliman, and I, that's got to be wrong. I know that's If it's supposed to be French, then G-U-I is a G. And then L-L-I. And, then a, and a double, L, double L is a Y, so G. Gima. I don't know. Okay. I have no I don't know. <laughs> so it's but, uh, space French. I don't know. I love this book and I'll give a quick quick reason why. He grabs whosoever's on this base, which winds up being a bunch of ultramarines, uh some space wolves, some uh uh what do you who are the guys that are led by Angron? The those are the world eaters. The, I actually some, know that. <laughs> yes. There's world eaters, and there's even a Thousand Sun, and he's like a totally like a Thousand Suns is Magnus. Yeah, okay. Uh, he's the one. He's like, like the, and this the old guy's, school stuff. I yeah. remember. And this guy's like super psychic, and of course, they don't all get along. But it was really well. Cool. Thousand Suns is each, so that would make sense. Well, here's but this is this is right as the heresy is starting, and so the world eaters and the Thousand Sun 
the, the group at least that were in this book had not turned. They were still the good guys. And so even though like the, the Space Wolves and the Thousand Sun didn't get along, it was cool to see the bad guys when they were still good guys. Yeah, yeah. Prior, were, prior to the heresy, then they were all the same team. Well, and, and and this is post the post start of the heresy, but these are guys who apparently were far enough away from it that weren't they weren't where this was happening, so they didn't know because it was kept so secret. Obviously, mm-hmm. they didn't know about it. They they hadn't been turned. So you had a bunch of these really getting to see what the Thousand Sun guys and what the world leaders could do when they were good guys. Like, wow, these guys were really cool. This is a cool. And it was a really, it was a fun, it was a good book. After book six was a little weak and seven was more, I mean, it was Alpha Legion, but it was told more from a point of view of the IG. Okay. Um, this this one was Imperial great. Guard? Yeah. Okay. So Heather actually picked me up the next book, Mechanicum, which is the first book that's not really about the Space Marines. It's about the revolution on Mars when they were fighting to see if they, the Mechanicum would continue to create for the Emperor or for Horus. So gaming. Gaming. Well, we've uh, we're going to be talking about our games from the UGG primer, and that's the majority of my games recently. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that it, um, you know you asked me if I'd been playing any video games, and the answer is heck yes, I have, and that counts for gaming because you and I online faced off in Blood Bowl. Yeah, I got destroyed. Oh, you don't want to talk about it. Well, I mean, it was pretty one sided. I spent the first half pushing you and not doing anything. Second half, I managed to get, I think, what, three casualties? You did it? get three casualties. Yeah, that, um, you I've, did more than I did, obviously. We're talking about a high elves on my side versus, David, you played Chaos. I'm playing Chaos, yeah. So long and the short of it was I scored more in the touchdown department. You scored more in the casualty department. Yeah. I, and I and now you, you got four, which is huge, four to zero. One of them I handed to you because I totally didn't realize that I, I didn't know the rules that you could pass and then hand off. So I moved off to the side figuring you could get close to scoring, uh, yeah, but yeah, not I don't, in one turn. I don't know what to tell you there. That's I screwed up. Yeah. I mean, I just I mean, I mean, did. I handed you a, a Well, a, that's, a, a that's fine. Uh, don't make that mistake again. That's a no, big part of the game. That, yeah. that was, I mean, I just I don't know what I was thinking. I knew you could pass. I knew you could hand off. I didn't know you could pass and then run and then hand off. Yes, you can. Yes. And now that I know that rule, I've been playing against the computer. I'm surprised you won anything not knowing that. Yeah, that's that's a big part of the game. Well, no, so, because I kind of I don't pass too often. I drop the ball a lot. So this was this once well, I see, the ball I'm surprised hands, you. Slow. I'm surprised you signaled the the my my being able to hand off and then pass. I can understand why that would surprise you, but really, what lost you the game was not being able to pick up the guy. Darn ball! Yeah, I mean, three turns in a row. I went to pick, just pick it up off well, the floor. Well, the reason it was a the reason up. it was a four to nothing was because I was able to. You know, you were one, mentioning you played these guys like a bash team, and I don't really. It's just that I I need block. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to punch one hole. Right. And once I do that with my movement seven and eight. And six. Well, that's the thing. You scored once, then you kicked it to me. I couldn't pick up the ball. Which you one? ran by and you picked up the I ball. I picked up the ball and then scored. Yeah. And then on the third one, I'm like, okay, he's gonna score. But he's not going to be able to score in one turn. So what I had done was I had set up my guys and attacked your guys on the sidelines. On the next turn, I was either going to knock your guys out, or if I pushed them, they'd be in the position for the next guy to push them off the pitch. So I had set up all that, and then you ran it down as far as I thought you could go, and then you handed off the ball, and that guy ran it. I was like, son of a... So you got the score, and I didn't get any of the attacks that I had set up. So that was annoying. Scoring is not only good for me to win... It's also good for me to get the guys who I don't want to get killed yeah. away from you. Exactly. It's like I already anticipate that, yeah, I'm going to have three Jobus who are going to be in the front line who are going <laughs> to get smooshed. I'm okay with that. 
It's just that that means you're no longer crushing my like my catchers, my thrower, and my blitzers. Yeah, it was it was brutal. It was a it was a very brutal game. Well, luckily, um, you did force me to cut somebody. Yeah, you had to. So, chaos is a very very difficult team to start with. Yeah, I mean the I early season it. for chaos is well, you've got nothing. The yeah. only thing you've got to show for it is uh, slightly better than average armor mm-hmm. and higher than average strength. Yeah. But you've got no capacity to pick up the ball and no reroll skills. Nope. So, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, but I mean, it, as far as bash teams go, I, I'm open. I'm the, the 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 thing is wide open for me. Once I start getting those well, star player points, really, what you, really, the icing on the cake for you is mutation. Yeah. Um, you are bash team with mutation. Yeah. So that means that you can actually tailor it, start picking up the ball, continue to bash, uh-huh. and take it whatever direction mutation lets you. But there's so many cool. That's what I love about the team is I start off with crap, but once I play long enough, the 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 toolbox that I have at my disposal is so cool. So, well, my I had a game after that. You played against the Claymores. Right. I played against Scales and Tails, which oh, is yeah. uh, Caleb McCoy's Lizardman team. Three to one was the ultimate score, and Ooh. I did out casualty him. Nice two to nothing. So oh, I, I I played a really good game. But yeah. that's all going to go to hell tomorrow night. What are you playing? Joe. Again? Yes. It's your second time against Joe. Has he skilled Joe, up? Has he got- yes. Joe is playing the dwarf team. I'm playing a high elf team. Mm-hmm. All, of the re- all of the real power that I have as a team are countered inherently by his tackle. Oh, I have a lot right. of dodge on oh, the front right. line. And I'm thinking of taking all the Jobus who have no skills and putting them on the front line so I don't lose all my dodge guys for additional <laughs> games. So... It's going to be rough. Tomorrow's probably... Because right now, as of right now, I'm in clear to find first place. That's all going to hell right tomorrow. Maybe. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence. No. I, I'm going to... I'm in like eighth or ninth place I'm out of ten. I'm losing so. confidence. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, like I said, yeah. I'm excited for, uh, I'm excited for season two because I will keep this team. I will keep it running because I like it. I haven't decided. I love this team, but I also like the variety of being able to try something else. I wish yep. Chaos Dwarves existed because I'd love to play them, but if not, I was considering Necro or even Halflings. That would be fun. Just anything, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that was my gaming. Uh, I did get in one game against Chris Yu. How'd that go? Uh, I lost, but it was a cool learning game. A very cool learning game. He took his he took a high elf list, and I told him to bring bring something that would be tough for like Adepticon because I'm trying out Adepticon's list. Mm-hmm. And this list I did take ghouls, two units of zombies. So I had about almost forty ghouls. I had a horde of ghouls. I had two units of zombies. I took the black coach, five hex wraiths, two spirit hosts, and ten black knights with the banner of the barrows. Uh, this was the one I took a just a regular level four necromancer, so I could have a dispel scroll, which I am dumping in favor of an earthing rod. Yep, um, can't say I blame you. I'd I'll, I'll run without the scroll if I have to. I think I can I can give it to one of my vampires, possibly depending on what they take. I, uh, the way I play, I usually try and get both, but yeah. the most important guy is usually holding that earthing rod. Uh, the level one vampire with uh, uh, as a BSB mm-hmm. because once again he can be a vampire lore, so that makes three guys with vampire lore. So if the general dies. I got two backups, and then I got a level two vampire um, who, you know, he's my choppy vampire, sort of. Um, and then, oh, and I got a corpse cart. Uh, but I played that against him, and he was playing high elves, and he had, like, four eagles. He had 21, or I think, was it eight, 18? Yeah, 21 white lions, 21 
uh, sword masters three by seven or you know three three deep seven wide. Okay. Uh, he had a big block of spearmen, uh, and he had the BSB and Teclas in that. I said, you know, bring something that that's going to be hard core. Uh, and then he had some archers. And that was pretty much his list. Um, we start going forward. My magic phases were uh, uh, five, three, seven. No, five, five, seven, three, nine, and three. So it was just like I never had a lot of dice. Uh, top of turn three, I cascaded right uh, my general right off the oh. board. <laughs> oh no! I only threw three dice. I rolled three sixes. <laughs> it's happened to me too. It's like oh, I'll, just, know, I'll just throw the two dice. Oh, you know, and of course uh, I have all. I, I wish I had the black periapt. In fact, if I'm ever playing, I know I'm going to play against high elves. I'm going to take it because he takes tackless. He makes it and gets doubles, like, on most of the rolls. So I'm just sitting there and throwing a vines. It's life. Throwing a vines this. You know, these guys have now got the more toughness. These guys got this. These guys got that. Um, what was funny was he kept trying to, uh, what is it What is it on life? Dwellers? Yeah. Are you talking about the level six belt that yeah. deletes units? Dwellers below. Three turns Based in a row. Based on strength. Three turns in a row. He, and it's like 21 to cast it because he's, okay? He'll, is he just throwing all six dice? Yeah. Yeah. And three turns in a row, he failed to meet the casting cost. He got doubles, but he didn't meet the casting cost. So it ended his magic phase. And that was like the first thing he did. So the extra four or five dice sitting behind him got wasted. So three turns in a row, he had no magic phase. But by then, my general was already dead. So I took a heavy crumble. The worst part was the crumble, like, okay, Zombies leadership two, I roll a three. Great. The corpse, the, the black coach leadership five, I roll a freaking, you know, 11. So I have to take off the black coach. End of turn three, I lose the black coach. What? I lose. Black coach is a vampire, right? Oh, son of a. I shouldn't have rolled for it. It's vampiric. I yeah. don't have to roll for crumble. No. Oh, that could have made a di- Long story short, dude, I only lost the game by about five, six hundred points. There you go. What were you saying? Uh, a game of Warhammer is a game of uh, capitalizing on your opponent's mistakes? Yep. Actually, I think we said that in the future. Ooh. There we go. Yeah, that was a big, stupid mistake. Now, thank you for pointing that out to me, because now I should realize not to do that next time. But, like, my spirit, things with low leadership, I was rolling low, and the one thing I wanted to keep, I rolled really bad. I shouldn't have even rolled for Dummy, dummy, stupid, stupid, stupid. Um, but my Dave, 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 don't put yourself down. Let me. <laughs> the nice thing was, though, uh, he didn't want to attack me, so he was just sitting there trying to dwellers off my unit that had my characters in it. So he wasn't really engaging me, okay, because he didn't want to get tar pitted, and then because he's played me enough times to know that I'm just going to keep bringing him back and whittle you down, and he didn't want to lose those banners and stuff, right? So, uh. Basically, it became this weird sort of Mexican standoff where he was kind of standing around my guys and kept trying to dwellers. And he figured, if I just dwellers, I'll get rid of those guys and then I'll sweep in and, and wipe you out. And then he kept failing to reach the casting cost on six dice. It was like one, one, two, three, one. You know, it was like, oh, are you kidding me? So uh, I actually wound up only losing by 600. But this was the thing where, once again, Black Knights. Ghouls, zombies, zombies, a couple of spirit hosts, and my hex wraiths, and a black coach did so much better than when I was taking some of the new toys. So my Adepticon list seems to be sharpening up, but seems to be, I, to me, boring. 
you know, it's falling into that. Once I go into the competitive list, right now this is the only competitive, real competitive build that I've found at 2,200 points. And it's frustrating. Well, I guess that's one of the downsides is trying to build a list that's more competitive is you're taking out anything that's wacky and unpredictable. Right. So in order to get something that actually works the way you're expecting it to, you find in the long run that I'm falling it's back working to this list. the same way every time. I took the Black Knights over Graveguard because of the much better armor save. You know, Graveguard I'd have more of. Plus, I've already got so I have to take five 150 points worth of troops and with zombies at three points apiece I've got so many infantry units out it's like did I want to take another unit of infantry I needed something that could move a bit and could hit like a brick that had an actual armor save so because even the even the white lions and the sword master even the sword masters weren't were having trouble against my two up armor save for my blood black knights but I don't know that was my game we should take a break get this done come back and uh talk about the tournament we'll have harrison on with us because he played too yeah i'm ready to ready to switch topics so let's be back in a minute okay if a game is only as good as the person who plays it then the best games can be found at unique gifts and games collectible and classic card games board games rpgs tabletop miniatures hobby tools and more all found within and so is an amazing community of fellow gamers as well as dedicated gaming tables terrain and a library of open games to try it's also your source for Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine. Stop by for Warhammer Fantasy Mondays, 40K Tuesdays, and War Machine Wednesdays. Demos and tournaments are alive and well at UGG. Check their website at uniqueugg.com for their calendar of events or call 847-548-8270. Don't forget about the rewards program, their convenient location in downtown Grays Lake, Illinois, and their friendly staff. Unique gifts and games. Great gamers mean great gaming. We're back. Back, 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 hey. back, Okay. Uh, Who the heck is this on the mama, mama, mama microphone? Some idiot. Oh. Ooh, Calvin Throne. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty spooky. <laughs> scary stuff oh. right there. <laughs> oh, it's the retarded hour. Hello. I'm okay, not so. Uh, How does he put these boxing gloves on? <laughs> <laughs> do you take off your boxing gloves and your mask when you go to bed? No, do you pull off your hands and your face when you go to bed? <laughs> and if so, are you some kind of robot? <laughs> and if so, do you fight for good or for awesome? We should team up. <laughs> I happen to be the biggest criminal mastermind of our day. <laughs> And just remember, kids, on a scale of one to awesome, I'm super great. I want to know where that falls on the scale of one to awesome, by the way. The super great sounds like about a seven or an eight. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's like 10.3. Oh, it's a b- better than awesome? I would think it's better than awesome. Super great? Super great, Dave. It well, great su- is less than awesome. So super great would just be a boosted version of great. It depends on how you do. Do you make a fist pencil. when you say super great? <laughs> I, I super great. Well, I don't say it like that. I don't say it like I'm having if trouble did, as If you did, it would be a 10.3. I gotcha. Okay. So if I make a fist and sound like I'm straining to poop when I say it. And that's when you're doing it right. <laughs> okay. If you do that, I would have to stab you with a if pencil. If you pucker, uh, so to speak, oh, as you say it. <laughs> and oh, with that, God. we're back. Okay, so this last weekend, we were at a tournament at Unique Gifts and Games. Uh, right. It was a small 10-man tournament. 
Uh, An Adepticon primer. Yeah. Um, Basically, we bring your Adepticon lists Mm -hmm. and do your best. Do your absolute utmost. Uh, It was only three rounds. It was a one-day, three-round tournament. I happen to love these one-day, three-round tournaments. Uh, I have a lot of fun with them. They're the only ones I can go to, so They're I like them. the only Harrison can go to, so he got to go to, which is why he's here, folks. Welcome the Phoenix Prince. We said a whole lot of things, but not his name. Woo! Crackle! Woo! Nice. <laughs> nice. It's been a long time. Crackle. He's still saying crackle. 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 Well, he's got a memory. He remembers things. Okay, dun, so, dun, so the tournament. Dun. So the tournament. 2,200 points. Uh, basic three rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't... You start, Christopher. Sure, sure. Okay, so for this tournament, I took the Chaos Dwarves. No surprises. The Tamarcon list. Yes. Uh, my list included about 30 Infernal Guard, uh, 40 Hobgoblins that I gave additional weapons to. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see here. The Train, Hellbound, uh-huh. which is the Iron Demon. Hellbound means that it has a, a extra wounds, extra toughness in its magical attacks. And if it didn't already cause terror, it does now. Okay. Uh, let's see. The, the it Destroyer. It should be terrifying. What's that? It should cause terror. It's I awesome. don't like a it's train awesome. running towards me. It's really hard me. not to take it. Yeah. I hate that freaking thing. Which one? The Destroyer or the Train? The Train. They're both good. I made the big mistake of not boning up on the Tamarcon list since we talked about it in November. No. I was monumentally unprepared. I had no idea what your list did. I feel stupid. But that's a story for later. Some, Keep going. Some people do bitch about Tamarcon, but the truth of the matter is it is definitely a list that changes the metagame. And you have to think, if you're going to be facing one, you have to think about what you're going to do. It's like it's like back in 7th edition, or it's it's like dealing with the ethereal. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do if I come across ethereal? You better have a plan. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's the thing is I was not, I was not prepared for your list. I didn't even think about boning up on it and I understand people who face it I, I can now see someone coming up to a tournament who's not bought or read Tamarcon or seen that rules list yeah seeing your army and going oh my god that is broken what is wrong sure. with you but at the same time if if the same thing could be said for what if they are not familiar with the vampire the, counts the fact is and, it, and you run ethereal stuff into Mortis them engine. Tamarcon only cost I mean, it costs twice as much as a regular army book yeah but it, you're getting more than twice an army book with it. It's the so fact is, if you're if you're going to tournaments that often, you're playing that often, bite the bullet and buy the damn book. It's it's actually worth having. It's I, I'd say it's it's probably far more worth, worth having than any other army book that's out now. Or at least find a way to get the stats so you know what you're coming up against. Yeah, I, enough people are putting out things that I'm not, I'm not encouraging anyone to steal. It, what I am suggesting though is that you at least find someone who's got a copy and read through it. Don't be surprised. Yep. But so what else did I take? I took um, a magma cannon. I took a Death Shrieker rocket launcher, and not much more than that, really, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty you had small. The, that Kadai destroyer, the destroyer, which is it's, it's an, uh, you you are using the the Balrog. I'm using a Balrog at the moment. God, I love that model. It's nice. It's the nice. Balrog is so cool. It looks like it's like coming apart as you're moving it. Coming apart. What do you mean? Well, it's got those cracks in it. Like oh, where the, like you the flame, flame is like, the flame the is like bursting flame. out, as in like the fluff of it. Which is perfect for this model. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. The, the only thing this thing has, uh, the, the Balrog, is it has wings and the creature does not fly. But then again, apparently neither did the Balrog, since it fell for an entire movie. Yeah, but no, I mean, it doesn't seem to fly. It's like yeah. it, it's, those wings are more for scary show, I suppose. So, oh, so in dang. regards, that's what I took. Do you guys want to talk about what you took? Well, why don't you talk about your first round, and when we get to our first rounds, we'll talk about well, our list. Well, because it involves Harrison. Oh, that's right. You guys played each other in the first game. Tell, uh, talk about your, your list, list, boy. You took which army? I took High Elves, like usual. Yep, and your list I took was? 35 Spearman with Full Command, mm-hmm. Techless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 15 Archers, and... Um, 25 Swordmasters, 25 uh, 
White Lions, mm-hmm. an Eagle, and Dragon Prin- and Five Dragon Princes. That the whole list? Uh, is that everything? Okay. Yes. The only thing I forgot to <laughs> oh, mention is... Shadow Warriors. Shadow Warriors, that's right. I forgot to mention I took a level four Hashut, level one Fire, and a uh, BSB, of course. Yeah. Uh, he did want to take more Swordmaster, or not... I uh, want to take more White Lions, and he realized we only own 25. My original list had um, uh, 20 Swordmasters and 30 White Lions. Well, I'll tell you what, facing off against you began for me, which was a series of not being able to take much control of the magic phase. Um, dealing with techless is a problem. Throat? Yeah, I don't like facing techless all that much either. Techless is rough. I took lore of life, so I just kept making more of me. It was also it's effectively one of the lists I was afraid to face because dealing with techless and the lore of life means that one of the biggest issues I have, um, one of the biggest it, potential advantages I have, is negated, wiping you out. Uh, with a low toughness. Suddenly you had a high toughness. Suddenly you could bring your guys back. Yes, and toughness seven white lions. And they couldn't stop the spells. It's techless. Yeah. You know, you just you just can't get it's, those. It's, it's funny because when we were talking before, we were talking about how easy it is. You just, just go kill techless. Get up. He's got... Easier said than done because you've got to survive that magic phase. You got Yeah, you got to get to him. If he's not going to let you get near him... And you stick him in a bunker of 35 spearmen and good luck getting to him. Yeah. Well, one of the... I don't want to go through the whole game, Harrison. There highlight. I have a couple of highlights, and maybe you do too. Are there things that you'd like to bring up in particular? I do. I did enjoy killing that Kadai. That was a fun moment. Yeah, Harrison did not have a problem dealing with the Kadai. Uh, what he was able to do was, um, I charged my Swordmasters into the Kadai mm-hmm. and my Dragon Princes into the flank. I didn't even need the Dragon Princes. The Swordmasters just chopped it up and combat rested it to death because it's unstable. Right now. Admittedly, your, the strength of those swordmasters is only five, which means that you would normally need um, you would need normally fives to wound it. Mm-hmm. Strength five versus toughness six, but because of the destroyer special rule, if the attacks are not magic, it's minus one to wound them. So that made them uh, wound on sixes. The problem is he's going to hit with everything. Yeah. So uh, the, the the flank charge, the number of wounds that he was able to cause, I started to crumble. So one of the things I remember that made it so challenging on me is I wanted to charge Teclas, and I couldn't because you had two units flanking Teclas on either side, Harrison, and what he was able to do is he pulled that one back and forced the other two forward so there was no physical way I could get in there. He was protecting it perfectly. Yep. The only way I was... He was smart. And if you did manage to get in? I'd be flanked by three dial units, yeah. Yeah. What I had to do was I had to eventually... um, I was able to separate them out at some at some point and finally be able to get the charge in, but I shelled it with everything I had. Uh, with I, my spells couldn't get through. He kept stopping them. He was dispelling in a five, plus right. five. So what, ultimately, what I had to do was just drop shell after shell on him uh, between the template of the magma cannon and the um, the the temp the big template right. from the rocket battery that was able to reduce the ranks with Teclas in it. I forced a charge that he couldn't accept, and he flee, uh, chose to flee. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was able to shell it with more, bring its um, to less than, to twenty five percent or less, and he had to say, and he had to rally on a snake eyes. Oh, and that was the only way I could stop Teclas. And so, what happened, Harrison? He ran off the board. Mm-hmm. So, what else happened with you? Any what else? What What did you take away from it? What went good for you? Um, I right on top of the mic, brother. Well, I charged my swordmasters and um, 
um, into the magma cannon, and then I obliterated that in the rocket battery thingy. Yeah, the the, the there wasn't much of, of a way for me to defend them. I couldn't, pr- you know, there were he had more than I did on the table, so I wasn't able to protect those things. Good on you, Harrison. Yeah. God, bless. somebody in this family needs to be able to take on the cast dwarves because, as you'll hear in the third round, I had a whole lot of suck. <laughs> Well, but it's it's one of your first games against them, so we'll, we'll have yeah, another chance. It was really good game, Harrison, and uh, it was scary dealing with Teclas. I was able to stave off the worst of it, but when you're going up against Teclas, sometimes there's not a lot of control. Yeah, that's true. You know, and um, I was most of the time I had to let little things like Throne of Vines go. It's like, oh, you're going to have it because I have to stop whatever comes after it. Yep. You know, there's exactly, and then exactly. irresistible force it, and then suddenly, and if he does the irresistible force, the one saving grace is an irresistible force on a doubles as long as he meets the casting roll. Right. So he's still got to make it. He mm-hmm. can't be casting the big stuff with three dice rolling, you know, three twos and getting it. But he was able to power his way through and with, oh, the, yeah. with the banner, with everything else. Very good game. Very difficult. The magic phase was clearly his. I didn't realize Teclas gave you plus D three dice. To your casting. And dispelling. And dispelling. Mm-hmm. And then you take that silly banner of the sorcery. Then you're getting 2d3 yeah. extra. Uh, you're going to get 12 dice every phase. And sometimes he did. Habitually, he had more dice than I did. Uh, it's brutal. Yeah, there was a time where I'm like, oh, wait, I can't take all 14 of my dice. Yeah, one, one phase. It's like, oh, I got 13 dice. No, no. Sadly for you, you only get 12. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, it's brutal. But that was in your game against Chris U, so shush. I know. Okay, so that was my our first game. How about you? How about your first game? Uh, I uh, first I played of all, against you Grant. Pl- what did you play? Uh, let's see. What do I have? I don't have my list in front of me. Well, I, it was, it was I BC. was BC, right? Yeah. Uh, I had three units of about thirty zombies mm-hmm. with the banner and the musician. Yeah, thirty, thirty, twenty-nine. Uh, everything was five wide. I didn't hoard anything. Okay, um, because I, you were hoping for extra ranks to take away their steadfast. It, that's if I win. Right. I was. I mean, they don't. Zombies don't win combats. My my thought was more of if you attack me with a horde, my guys suck in fighting. They're there to hold you in place, so I am minimizing the number of, of attacks you're going to get against it. Makes sense. If I'm really deep, you can take out a bunch of units, but I'll have you know. So that's my plan. So I had three of those. I had one unit of forty skeletons with full command, and I think the flaming banner. Uh, that was the same, the five wide, like eight deep. I had uh, ten black knights, full command, banner of the barrows, uh, five hex wraiths, a corpse cart with the lodestone. So I got to reroll the one die when I when I got invocation off. Yeah, uh, I had a couple of chaff things, you know, you know, bats and 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 uh, spirit hosts, spooky spirit hosts, spooky spirit hosts, and then I had uh, the mortis engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, for characters, I had Kemler. Yeah, yeah. I had a level two vampire with. Uh, I know he had Red Fury. Okay. Uh, did uh, he have Quick Blood? No. Oh. I couldn't. Have, he, he's a hero, so I could only afford. I, I couldn't afford them both. I gave him Red Fury, figuring his initiative's pretty high anyway. And then I gave. And then I had uh, the White King BSB. Uh, he didn't have a special banner. He was just there. Right. Uh, I put. Both, all three characters in the one unit of skeletons because Kemmler's special rules, he has no armor save. But he can be either ethereal or a flyer every turn you get to choose. Mm-hmm. So basically I said he's ethereal and he's going to stay that way the whole game. Okay. But then with, in the five wide rank of skeletons, I had the BSB and the, and the vampire in the first rank and Kemmler in the second rank because I had the full command as well. Ah. That was the only way I could think of until you killed the BSB or the general 
or I mean, or the vampire, he, you weren't moving him into the front rank. So I was trying to keep him out of the front rank. Um, basically, okay, I was playing Grant. Grant was playing his ogres. He was trying a new list too. Right. He had two saber tusks, the iron blaster, a unit of bulls, a unit of iron guts. I think it was four Mornfang Cav, a unit of four, I think it was, four or five. And then he had five man-eaters. Ooh, okay. Um, now, I learned from playing against Grant and against you um, that if there's any chance that anyone's going to have a scout, in fact, I, I do this now no matter what almost, is I'll take one of those little chaff units and measure about 12 to 14 inches off the corner and then place them there. Yeah. So basically, the corner, you could have fit two 40 mil bases in there, but not all five. So there was no way anyone was going to be scouting out behind my army. I've had enough dwarf war machines destroyed that way to, yeah. <laughs> to not let it. <laughs> do, 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 you and your sneaky gets. So, uh, and the shades. Or the shades yeah, yeah. So I, don't, I just don't let stabbing. that happen anymore. Um, no more sneaky gets. Oh, so we lined up. Stabbing. Uh, I'm going to try to make this quick. I actually have notes. Uh, I move forward first, uh, add some more zombies and some more skeletons. Uh, Grant moves forward. He throws... First, he does the, the... He had a level four on death and a level two with the maw. He can do that? You only have to have one person has to have the of uh, the maw. Oh, that's it interesting. Be the okay. General. Oh, so, okay, okay. So he had a level two maw and a level four with death. Cool. He did that thing against Kimler, and it's a magic spell where, you know, I can do the wounds, 2d6 minus your toughness and wounds. Mm-hmm. So I had to dispel that. I couldn't let that go, which left him enough dice to... Uh, Throw the purple sun. Purple sun went right through my unit of skeletons, killed all but seven of them. Oh my god! Uh, all of my characters got their lookout, sir. So then they, you know, they actually had a high enough where they would have made it anyway. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a fine high and welcome to the game. Thirty three skeletons. Uh, by the end of turn three, I had all of them back though, because <laughs> Kemler, I just invoking them back. It was it was beautiful. It worked like it should work for me. Um. I had the Mortis engine wow. giving the plus two to my casting, so everything was I was pushing it through. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I had two characters that can get invocation across, and, you know, I would put up stuff that Mate Grant wanted to dispel, and then I got the invocation through, and Kemler was getting back D6 plus four, and that's re-rollable. The other guy was getting D6 plus two, and I could re-roll that. So I was putting back, basically, uh, as, as far as skeletons went, I was putting back about 12 or 13 a turn. So he took on 33, and I just kept putting them back, putting them back, putting them back. Um, he charged my Black Knights with his uh, Maneaters, had a horrendous roll. I had a decent roll. I beat them by two. They broke and ran. I ran them down. Okay. His Mordenfe- what, what did his Maneaters have? Do you remember? Uh, Scout and I forget what the oh, other so one was. Oh, so that's why you mentioned the scout thing. Yeah, I mentioned, okay. yeah, and I didn't know that before we were playing. Wasn't like, his tyrant anatomically correct? No, his, one of his wizards was, though. Oh, yeah, the Slaughter uh, Let's see. Uh, the, his uh, Morn Fang Cav run into uh, my one chaff unit and just chew it up. Uh, and then he couldn't decide whether to turn and face the Hex Wraiths in case they took the, in case they charged him. Mm-hmm. But he figured if he overran far enough... He'd be far enough away. He had moved a saber tusk in front of them, sort of to redirect them. Okay. Forgetting that I could just move through it and then hit it with that strength five hit. So, boom, just moved right through it, lined up. 
he was had his back to me, uh, and I just I charged him on the next turn with the hex wraiths. Uh, they hit in the rear. They have strength five magical attacks with no armor save. So I did like three wounds, and I had the charge, and I had the rear. So his Mornfang Cav ran off the board, and by that time he had one saber tusk, the iron blaster. Now here's where Grant's luck was horrible. Iron Blaster hits my Mortis Engine, and I get my regen roll. So okay. that first one, he hits it, and I regen. Second turn, misfires, can't fire the next turn. Fourth turn, fires, misfires, can't fire for that turn either. And we ran out of time, actually, so like the fifth turn. So it, that the, the cannon did nothing. Um, I got up close enough. I go with my magic phase. He yells, Hellheart! My guys are eight inches away. Oh, God. All of my wizards are in the same rank. Everyone's eight to nine inches away. He rolls a one. Oh, you dodged a three bullets. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was no. The one was a white king. So, but I had two wizards and. Well. Yeah. So I, I yeah. So he rolls the one. So that failed him. Uh, that phase, I rolled like a like a ten for my magic phase too, and just started just pl- adding models, giving. So uh, I just I really I this is the first win I ever had against Grant. And, but everything went perfect. I had the corpse car right behind me so every time i was invoking it was hitting that too which gave everyone in the six inches asf so all my stuff was hitting him first i mean it was just it he he would win combat and i would he'd win by like 15 against my zombies and i'd have 17 zombies left so i got two okay invocation here come two d6 plus Mm -hmm. It, it was it was really frustrating for grant but that was my game um i won my first game maximum points and it's the first time I ever beat him. But I got to say, a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of lucky rolls on, oh, lucky for me, of Grant's really, he had some horrendous rolls. They just, those dice abandoned him. Well, the Hellheart alone could have changed everything. Yeah. And on, the, and on that phase was the phase that that magic was like my biggest magic phase of the game. And I wouldn't have had one because I would have lost all those power, no matter what, I would have lost all those power dice. Yeah, yeah, in a normal roll, you could expect that that will probably cost you the magic phase as well as everything else. Yeah, so between that and the Iron Blaster not doing a thing the whole game, and then his man-eaters with 20 attacks attacking my Black Knights, and I and I win. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was silly. Uh, I was I, I was really lucky. Uh, Grant played a great game, but uh, I, I was, I won it, so... Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I was I was pleased. You want to take off for uh, round two? Yeah, round two. Uh, Harrison, why don't you start for round two? Okay, so ra- for round two, I was playing against Grant. And this was Blood and Glory. The round two was Blood and Glory. The first one was just like a straight battle line. This one was Blood and Glory. Right. So, Harrison, you were playing Grant. And so I lined up. Pretty much I had my... Uh, Dragon Princes run in, and his Mornfang completely obliterated them, and they run ran through and almost went off the board, but were pretty much gone the entire game because of the way they ran. Oh, so they ran out of out of. They pretty were much. so far. <laughs> okay. And his um, man eaters were exactly thirteen inches away from my spearmen defending my archers. Oh, I oh I forgot to mention I have a unit of ten spearmen. Oh, okay. Um, those are entirely to protect archers. Okay. And then I had my eagle come in and killed the saber tusk and attacked the flank of a unit. 
Eagle kills the saber tooth. I guess that's about right. Okay. Yeah, eagles are actually way tougher than they get credit for. I give them no credit. <laughs> Three wounds, weapon skill four, strength four, toughness four. Whatever. Without credit. Now, didn't Grant on his first turn also cascade his... No, that was turn two okay. when he ca- cascaded his general, so that's already two fortitude points gone. Cascade off the table? Yep. Miscast, cascaded off the table. But before that, he yelled Hellheart, and he needed a three. He rolled a one again. So on his second game, he Hellheart abandoned him twice in a row. This and was the day of no luck for Grant. I guess not. And he cast that Fate of a Junior spell on Teclas, like um, 2d6 minus your toughness. So 2d6 minus two, he rolled a two. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It was oh, it was a brutal, brutal day. I mean, just the dice had abandoned him. I know what that feels like. Oh, yeah. I, I have nothing but empathy. Uh, I, we all have days like that. Yeah. But So basically, Harrison, long story short, you managed, he yeah, lost that fortitude. And then fortitude. I had like 12 Zordmasters attack his BSB, and they cut him down. There goes the rest of his fortitude. And then, wow. And that's it. Boom. Yeah. There was a, there was a small... Mistake, which was Grant had modeled up dragon ogres for his man eaters, not dragon ogres, but the, the the weren't they dragon dragon ogres? Dragon yes. ogres. Yeah, you, um, had it, you had it right. And his 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 I don't know if his banner I can't remember if his banner hadn't been sculpted yet or if it was small. It hadn't been sculpted. But uh, Harrison looked at the board and said, "You're out. You don't have enough fortitude." And then they started to Harrison wrote up they wrote up their sheets. Harrison had them, and then Grant's like, "Wait a minute, I have one more fortitude." I th- than we thought, because that you couldn't see that one. Harrison, so but they'd already turned everything in, and he was already he kind of had the upper hand. Grant had no magic left, Grant, so Grant was just like, "Nah, you know, forget about it. Uh, we're it's done." Yeah, we already if turned. You in take our the sheets. models off the table if you agree that we're done, and you take everything off. Yeah, I don't think the models were off the table yet, but they'd handed in. I had taken it in a couple, uh, yeah. taken off a couple units. Well, but it was. I mean, it was an honest mistake, but Fr- it was frustrating way to lose if you actually are still in it. But yeah, but without a. <laughs> I know how bad it is to cascade and lose your wizard. It messes up your game royally, so. Oh, yeah. It messes it up more if you're playing vampires. <laughs> yes, Boom, it does. oh, look, I, half my army's gone. Now I can't sustain and nobody it. Nobody wants it to happen. Um, My second round is really fast if you want me to take this one. Go for it. I was up I was up on table one against nice. Alex Nikotenko, mm-hmm. which is exact. Now, last time I played Alex was the last tournament at UGG that we played in about a year ago. Right. Second round, I was on table one against Alex. And I was out by the top of turn two on a Blood and Glory scenario. So uh, we're playing Blood and Glory. Uh, my first magic phase, I rolled the deuce. Probably should have stayed back, but I figured, ah, it's vampire. He was playing VC. Uh, he had two units of zombies, a unit of, of ghouls, a horde of 40 ghouls. He had the 10, uh, the ten black knights. He had a couple of spirit hosts, I think, if I remember correctly. He had the black coach. Um, I pushed forward. He pushed forward. He had a vampire with quick blood who got to strike first and took out my uh, my vampire, even though I had uh, gotten off that spell, so I had the ASF as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just it, they went simultaneous, uh, so I got to roll against him. I did one wound. He saved it. He did three wounds. I saved nothing. Uh, that yeah, moved Kemmler to the front rank, so on his next turn, that vampire took out Kemmler. Chop, 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 chop. That was my general. I started to crumble. Uh, most of my banners were with my zombies. Uh, and at the top of turn two, he's like, well, you're going to crumble again this turn. 
because he took out the vampire. So all I, I had no, you know how you can keep you. You don't have to crumble if you have another uh, wizard that knows vampires. But yeah. I didn't. Oh, so he's like, well, we could play into turn three, but your zombies are leadership two or three, and this is going to crumble, and you're going to lose that banner, and the game's over. So I said, screw it, let's go get lunch. <laughs> so I probably could have gone to the top of turn three. But I conceded at the bottom of turn two, and then I realized I'm sitting eating lunch that now I've played them twice. They're both blood and glory, and I was both out at the bottom of turn two. <laughs> quick, quick. At uh, table one. What was nice, what I took away from that is if you get a chance to play Alex, uh, and especially where we were playing a mirror match, dude, he knows his game. Yeah. And when we were done, he's like, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that. But it wasn't like I wasn't being reprimanded. He was giving me pointers, and so I learned. I learned so much just from him saying, "Why would you do this? Why would you do this?" Because we're both playing that same army. Yeah. Uh, so ending quick, I actually got to sit around with him for a good twenty minutes and get uh, get get <laughs> sit at the feet of the teacher and learn a little Warhammer. Well, I had a similar experience. I played against Mir Vimul, uh, Vir- Neil Neil Vermeulen. Why can't I speak tonight? Uh, now I played him for the first time at Bits last year. Yep, he played uh, VC actually. Yep, and this time around he's playing Empire. Okay, so this was another zero for two. Uh, he uh, he picked me up and took me down, and it was uh, <laughs> that sounded wrong. Well, it wasn't good. It <laughs> I did okay at first, but I made a pretty good mistake, and uh, he took advantage of it. <laughs> you made a good mistake. Well, good for him. Okay. You know. You uh, made a mistake, and he made you pay for it? Exactly. Did exactly. he have a lot of... Art- I didn't get to see what he had. Did he have a lot of artillery? Yes, he did. Now, this was, I believe, let me think here, two cannons, two mortars, or maybe three mortars? Five pieces of artillery. I think it was like two cannon, three mortar, if I remember. The he mortars had, are vicious. He had the Pope Mobile. Boom. Uh, he had a priest... Uh, and he also had a level four shadow. Okay. Now the thing is that guy in the Pope Mobile. Yep. He apparently had all seven lore of life light spells, and then he had a level four. Going on the Pope Mobile, it's easy to get lore master. I mean, that What's something the like Pope that. Mobile. It's this. It's, it's this, the war altar. It's a war altar. Oh, and, oh, but okay. since you're a priest on this big tall thing that holds you up, people call it the Pope Mobile. So he had like, looks, you know, you're like he the had, Pope. He had eleven spells plus the priest spells. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like all that. You could afford all that. He's like, oh, yeah. Dead, dead, dead. Dude, yeah. And so fire stuff is lore, cheap. Lore of light and lore of shadow. Oy, So. Oh, that's no two, good. Two, two things that I had to deal with, one of which was Mind Razor. <laughs> Not much I could do. He unstoppable for Oh, look. I'm, what, I'm strength seven now. Yep. It wasn't that I made a mistake in that particular case. It's just that he unstoppable to Mind Razor. On his charge. It's like, well, yep, that's going to be that. Not much I can do. So he was able to chop pretty badly into my unit of Infernal Guard, who otherwise probably would have done very well in that combat. Yeah. But the problem was it was Mind Razor on a whole bunch of flagellants. Oh. <laughs> Just buzzsawed, right? <laughs> <laughs> buzzsawed right through them. So the other mistake I made, well, the mistake I made was I accepted a challenge from the guy, forgetting what power he has. So he swapped stats with me. Oh, Van Horseman Speculum, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. I just forgot. And to make things worse, in the middle of the game, I just blanked out that I was in a challenge, so I thought, i got to do something. Let's get a flank charge in with my uh, Hobgoblins. With all of their massive attacks, they'll get in the flank of that big thing. But that thing was by itself. It was by itself, but it was in a challenge. So it was useless. Well, you got a plus two to combat res. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was stupid of me because it means that there are a whole bunch of guys. I basically, in order for me to be able to attack with them, I'd have to lose my general who was in the combat. Right. Stupid of me. I shouldn't have done it. And that exposed their flanks, so now a unit of something else was able to get in and it just got swordsman, worse. Swordsman, great swords. Great swordsman, yeah. Oh, dear God. And at that point, my thought was, my fear was, okay, these artillery pieces are going to start taking me off. They're going to lower my toughness and shell me. And that was a very real threat. So my thought was, I'll try and kill these pieces. And with my infernal, uh, with my Iron Demon, the, with the twin cannonades in front, they're right. actually really good at taking out bum, war bum, machines. Bum, 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 but it wasn't okay. enough. I mean... The real threat was the the flagellants, especially with that stinking mind razor. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to tear through, you know, toughness four armor, save three guys, no sweat. And um, really, the two big mistakes. I mean, uh, Meal said that my biggest mistake wasn't focusing on those flagellants early on. It's hard to focus on them when you're getting shelled. Right. Maybe he's right. I'm not sure. I guess I'd have to try it again. I don't have enough experience against the Empire. We don't okay. have any Empire players right now. No, because Tom won't play. So and well, he's not playing. He yeah, doesn't. He doesn't. He's no longer a Warhammer player. Right. So, but and didn't his army have like perfect synergy and stuff? Tom's. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, meals. It worked very well. Um, it partially relied on the magic phase. I I even what wonder doesn't if doesn't well, rely yeah. on the magic phase. Corn armies, dwarves. Yeah. Stop contradicting me. <laughs> he's not. He's correcting <laughs> you. I, yeah, I didn't even <laughs> contradict, contradict you. You asked a question. I answered it. <laughs> but I, the one big mistake that I made was just stupidly forgetting. I'm in a combat. I'm in a challenge. Don't charge these guys in. They're not yeah. going to offer anything. It was stupid. And then I offered my flank up to the swordsman, and that just made a bad situation worse. That'll happen. So I was definitely getting out uh, artillery, though, which Chaos Dwarves can get. They can get our, out artillery. My artillery is great, but this wasn't the right. these were not the right tools for the job to deal with what I was facing. So at the end of round two, we were all one and one. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, it's funny. Uh, um, no. Uh, oh, yeah. Harrison was one and one. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, in the, so in this case, numbers did overwhelm? A little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of cannons and some smarter playing on his end. He seemed more prepared for what the Chaos Dwarves were than I was prepared for Empire, oddly. The scary thing is after two rounds, Harrison was doing the best out of all of us. Yeah. At yeah. the end of two rounds... Harrison of the three of us was in the was in the lead. In fact, he was very Woo! close to getting up onto. Uh, they, they, they thought he might actually if if you had if you had done well against Meal, then Harrison had a chance to be the guy up at table one against Alex. Well, so what, Harrison what, had what a chance at table one at the last game. That actually would have scared me. And I'm only bringing it up because. Damn, congratulations, boy. The kid's 11 years old. Good job, Harrison. And at, on a three-round tournament, he had a really strong chance of being at table one on what the last if I was game. Going, if well, I was going to play against Alex, that would have been terrifying. You've played against Alex before. Well, and he killed with, me. With that in mind, why don't you lead us off for round three and tell us about your round three? You know what? Uh, quick break? Yep. And then round three. We'll come back for the final round. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam. Protecting your army. 
Hey folks, you all remember Billy. Unfortunately, he can't be here for this commercial today. Why? Because after reading Unseen Lurker magazine, he's gotten so many tips from gaming to modeling to painting that he's decided to take his skills out to a tournament. And from what I understand, he's out there right now at the top table winning games and wrecking hobbies. All thanks to Unseen Lurker magazine. Go to UnseenLurker.com. Check out a quarter of the magazine. Check it out. Read it. And I'm certain you'll agree, Unseen Lurker is the number one wargaming magazine out there. UnseenLurker.com. Oh, that's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ever do that again. (laughs) I don't even know why that's funny. I think that might have been uh, a federal offense oh my God. air. <laughs> it sounded like I was breaking wind out of my mouth. Yeah. I, was de- I was orally defecating right there. That was horrendous. Not defecating. <laughs> well, dude, that kind of noise, mouth open that wide. Yeah, that yeah. Well, that's defecating isn't breaking wind. Uh, well, it, it, it is if you break wind hard <laughs> enough. <laughs> if it, it's breaking wind gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> when good wind goes bad. <coughs> All right, Harrison, speaking of breaking wind. Oh, I'm dying. All right, round three, Harrison. Okay, I got to play against Alex Gonzalez, who played oh, Dark Elves. Uh, for those who don't know the name, Alex Gonzalez is the man you should be respecting because he is the gentleman who's going to be helping to run Adepticon. So, yeah, well, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's running the, uh, the, the fantasy. I think, isn't he running? He's, I know he's running the fantasy championship. Is he also running the... Uh, the other ones, the team tournaments and the how you use it and stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I thought he was. He's likely part of most of that, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Harrison, you got to play as Dark Elves. How'd you do? I got killed more than I got killed by you. You okay, went So this was your worst round. Oh, yes. I got murdered. I can't say I'm surprised he's... I, I mean, he no knows, idea. He knows a lot. He knows. I had no idea Blackguard had initiative six. So there we go. He's playing Dark Elves. Yeah. Yep. T- talk about his list a little bit. I know he had a Hydra. What else? Blackguard. He had a horde of Blackguard, like four deep. Uh, well, the most you can take is 20 in a unit. Oh. So. Well, then that's what he had. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't remember that. That's okay. Well, it's okay. So so um, level four, I assume, of what kind of magic? Uh, Dark magic. Dark magic. Cool. Oh, no. Um, he had a fire and then uh, metal. Fire and metal. I approve. Okay. I approve. Well, thank you, Christopher. You know. Wait, wait. Two level fours? Uh, no. So level four of? Uh, level four of metal. Okay. And then level two of fire? Uh, I think it was level two. Might have been level one. Stop picking your teeth with a knife. <laughs> I had something in my teeth. Shut up. All right. All right. So Hydra, Blackguard, crossbows? Uh, 20 crossbows and okay. hordes. How about? Uh, Five cors- dark riders. How about corsairs? No. Hmm. Okay. Which else? No. Executioners? Nope. I, I'm Spearman. Thank you. You tell me what's in it. And I and the and surprisingly the level four did not have the I screw your neighbor knife. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what was the wizard in the back of a Pegasus? I what? Pegasus. It's a flying creature with wings. Didn't it's the shape a of a wizard horse. in the back of a Pegasus? The question is, the question for $100, did he in fact have a Pegasus? No. No. The answer is no. Thank you. Okay. So he was in a unit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically what happened, Harrison? Okay, so I had my Shadow Warriors. I butchered some Harpies. 
Then I attack the Breer with some, um, with my remaining Shadow Warriors, which is like three. Harveys can do damage. They can. Well, they have two attacks each. They're not. And they're not tough, but I mean, they'll they'll kill like a war machine. Then I had an awkward moment where I actually had, where I actually somehow for some reason charged Teclas into the Blackguard, which was the worst mistake I ever made. That ever. is a mistake. There you go. I can identify why you lost. Right there. Yep. I, I charged Teclas headlong into a volcano and screamed. <laughs> well, Alex actually looked at me after the game. He goes, I felt really bad. I go, don't feel. I thought he meant he felt bad because he beat up on an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, that's not why. He goes, I felt bad because Harrison charged his unit with Teclas into my Blackguard. And I just wanted to tell him, no, don't do that. What are you thinking about? <laughs> I had a blank. I was before I was going to do that. I was going to move Teclas out of the unit and hide behind it. What well, Warhammer sometimes, like chess, is a game that you capitalize on your opponent's mistakes. Uh, Mir that was, was able a bigger mistake than your mistake of charging into his. Mine was a stupid mistake, and it partially cost me the game. I think that the game was preordained with one. Mind razor. <laughs> it yeah. made a big difference. But in yeah, this case, turn, turn you, five hand, you after handed like an hour. Teclas to the Blackguard. Blackguard are butchers. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So yeah. they kill Teclas? Well, they their mm-hmm. their eternal hatred works every round, mm-hmm. and they each have two attacks, and all of them have initiative six. Yeah, that I did not know. Yeah. And so he focused all those guys that he could just attack, uh, direct them at Die, Teclas. Die, Teclas, is what yeah. he said. Yeah. Yeah. So once Teclas died, you were pretty much... Turn five happened in an hour after we started it. Okay. Yeah, his game went fast. <laughs> okay. Well, that explains it. Okay. Do you want me to take it so you can wrap it up? Well, we played each other. Oh, that's round three. true. That's true. So there we go. Uh, this was diagonal deployment, and uh, I made a huge stupid. Okay, I was the one making the stupid mistakes on this one. Uh, my general didn't come on. Yeah. That's well. That's. Tough. And, it's really tough. Well, here's the thing. I My said, BSB didn't come on. When we had diagonal deployment, I said, hooray, because we're 12 inches apart. And mm-hmm. I'm like, he, he's not going to get to shell me. I'm going to throw everything into combat as fast as possible, and he's not going to get to shell me. And then my general didn't come on, and I said, crap. Now i got to wait. So I put everything on the back line so my general could come into a unit so that way you wouldn't shell my general. But a unit of zombies didn't come on either. Now, I had a 7th edition brain fart and forgot that I could have put him in the unit of zombies. So I could have put my entire u- my entire army, except for the general, on the line. And then brought the general in with the zombies, and they could have marched. They could have double-timed up and That's got right. there. That's right. Plus, he can fly. I could have brought him in on turn one and had him fly the 10 inches and gotten the unit, because it was diagonal, kind of close. That was a huge mistake because knowing all of your options fresh in your mind helps but this is a new army to you i mean i understand why you're beating yourself up because you had to live it but at the same time but you did exactly what i thought you would do you shelled the crap out of my guys for the first like three turns i didn't get those guys into combat there's no reason for me to rush into it until i'm ready to so by the time i got my guys up to you half my army was destroyed yeah, uh, the 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 magma cannon template is is <sighs> brutal. It's brutal. So you the Iron chose Demon, when I combat could not happened. Take down the Iron Demon for me. Being Hellbound toughness eight. Hellbound so. is I'm, you know, you, I know that people don't like it sometimes when I say this is a must, but if you can afford it, Hellbound, your Iron Demon. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a really good choice. It's very expensive. Eight wounds. Eight toughness wounds. Toughness eight. eight. Uh, magical attacks. So that means that those cuns 
are magic attacks. Yeah, the gun. Yeah, I mean it's it's and those guns are great. <laughs> yeah, they were. I, I I mean at first when I looked at the stats, I thought I really should be taking the skull cracker. I, I don't know. <laughs> I really like this you one. You should have a skull cracker. Oh, I'm just probably going to get one. Yeah. But I'm saying, originally my thought was, well, I'll never shoot with it. I'll just charge it into combat. I'm not so sure. Like there were times where I could have charged, and I thought, no, I want to keep no, using these exactly. guns. You wanted to keep using the guns. Uh, I did not realize the magic of guns. And here's my here's my. This is one of those know your enemy things. You I, and I'm not trying to take anything away from your game. You played a good game. I, I your dinosaur had flaming attacks, right? In my head, flaming equaled magical. Yeah, and but I could. I, why didn't I ask? I, you know what I'm saying? I didn't say anything. I also I didn't, didn't know realize it that it was unstable. Right. Combat res. Combat, Combat res. res. And, the, and it, on the second turn, it failed, or it failed on the third turn, failed that burn up roll, and it took two wounds on its own. There was one one move in particular. I I was sure that you were simply going to charge your hex rays into my Kadai and prevent him from being part of the rest of the game, and that was the whole reason why I attempted to target him. With uh, the 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 fire spell of um, of because uh, he would have had his attacks of magical. That's why I specifically wanted to make his attacks magical because I was sure he was going to charge me. Well, here's the thing: I thought his attacks were magical anyway. Had I realized they weren't, and you cast that spell on him, I still wouldn't have charged him. Well, right. Because once you, once you know it's yeah. no longer worth it, that's then uh, that's why it did it because I wanted to prevent you from locking him into place. Oh, but it was... that's what I thought you were going to try and do, which would have. Stopped me. I wouldn't have, you know, you and I would have uh, been and what's slapping his toughness? six. So with strength five, no armor save. Does an ethereal creature's attacks count as magical? Yes. Uh, inherently? Yes. It then, actually, under ethereal, they're magical. Then you would have tried to win me on a five, and yeah. you would have easily won that combat. Probably broken me and crumbled me. And it's, uh, no, not wait, broken. does he have a ward save against flaming? I know a lot of you guys. Yes, he does. It's a two plus. Okay, so he would have still gotten his two plus. Still. That's the other problem is. Versus it, me not being the, able to wound you. It's the funniest thing. Hex wraiths are so good against so much stuff because they're ethereal, strength five attacks, that are magical flaming attacks that ignore armor saves. That's powerful, except it doesn't except work against well your against army. me. Yeah. Your army, against well, your army, it's crap. Cast dwarves, cast dwarves have fire. We like fire, yeah. Dwarves yeah. of fire. So it, it, I, even then, I mean, once you, once you reminded me that he had a two-up because, oh, they're flaming? Oh, I've got a two-up save. I'm like, great, I can't use these hex rays really well against anything. Well, I just figured you would charge them in and lock me. Yeah. And then, because then... Right, you know, every turn I'm taking a toughness test and potentially killing myself. True. No, I mean, but I mean, you won that game fair and square. We actually called it a little early. Everyone else had finished. We were getting through, and I realized when I finally got into the combat, I won a combat against your uh, goblins, and they ran. Yeah, and I couldn't catch them, and I'm like, okay, that was on your turn because you actually charged me. I'm like, I can charge them on my next turn, but if they get away, you're you're just going to keep shelling me. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, I if I couldn't run them down and get rid of them. Just chasing them around the board, I'm going to get shelled. And it was, it was, I had already lost the Mortis engine. I'd lost the corpse cart. I'd lost. Was it the Mortis against the Kadai, right? Well, the Mortis was against your Iron Demon. And then. Oh, that's right. Iron Demon couldn't do anything because it has effectively a Thunder Stomp, which I can't use against you. Right. So the only thing that I could do was my three little cast dwarves as crew were trying to hit it with, with wrenches. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I wound up losing well, that they pretty bad. They didn't have magic attacks. It oh, specifically right. says when when it's hellbound, the Castorf crew don't count as magical oh, okay. attacks. Okay. So they were trying to hit you with and they, wrenches and spanners. Yeah. Which don't do very um, much. So that was our... Uh, Give off rainbow sparks. That was our Adepticon uh, prep. We all, I, we, we all did fairly well. Uh, you, on the other hand, did uh, remarkably well, considering. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. I, uh, I got best sportsman. Yes, you did. I was actually I was very proud of that. Uh, that's if you can't win the whole thing, best sportsman is the one that I really like. Um, I learned that I might need to completely change up my list. For Adepticon, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's uh, let's get into this for a second. So the observation you made earlier tonight off the microphone was you might end up taking something that looks a little bit more like an old army book list. I have not figured out how to use all of these bits. I have not gotten them to synergize. I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, the Mortis engine worked absolutely really well for me for what it was supposed to do. Pulsing out, doing wounds to the enemies, boosting up my magic by the plus two for the casting. Dude, that was fantastic. It worked great. Um, but it really is there to help give the, you know, uh, it works better with things like Crypt Horrors, who already have a five-up regen. This gives them the four-up regen. Um I didn't have any Crypt Horrors. Uh, I didn't put any Crypt Horrors in. It's weird. Um I've come to a bunch of realizations. One is, you know, the you know, Crypt Horrors, they're, they've got a Toughness 5 and they've got a Regen, but they're a Strength 4. They don't pack the punch. You want the punch, you got to take the Vargeists, who have no no armor save whatsoever in their Toughness 4. So you take something that hits really hard that doesn't have any defense, or you take something that doesn't hit very hard. I, you, you need something that hits hard in your army. You could take a little of both, but at 2200, you start to run out of points really fast. Um, I also realized as I'm looking, uh, I'm looking at this, is that uh, I have four core units, three of which don't have an armor save, and the one that does have an armor save has a crappy one. <laughs> so it's there's just so many things. Hold on a second. You know what, Harrison? Harrison's got to go. It's bedtime for Harrison, and he's got to bring up water and stuff sure. for mom. So, hey, Harrison, uh, you know, thanks for. Thanks for talking about your games and uh, say good night. Thank you for letting me and good night, peoples. Good night, Harrison. Good games. So, could you mind turning off that microphone if you would, sir? Good man. So, uh, in fact, I did a little math hammer, which we can talk about that next episode. Sure. Because I want to add to it. Uh, I, uh, I've taken a cue from Roger's nugget of knowledge. Nugget of knowledge. I did. Go ask her. I don't know. Uh, I. Uh, it's a little slice of the white tech home right here. <laughs> Um, I I did uh, I'd crunch some numbers. If I had a horde of forty skeletons and a horde of forty ghouls, mm-hmm. and I will I'll do the numbers and talk about it to, next time because I wanted to bring something else into it too. Uh, and I did the skeletons with hand weapon shield or with spears and shields. Basically, the skeletons will never do as many wounds numeric, you know, math wise. They're never going to do as many wounds as the. Um, they are also that five up armor save six up ward uh, doesn't do much. They're gonna do. They're always gonna do fewer wounds and take more. Uh, it's just it's it's something I'm really juggling. My Adepticon list, the list I played against Chris Yu, looks a lot closer to what I probably would take to Adepticon. And there's not a new. Well, well, no hex rates are in it. Mm-hmm. I, I take that back. I have hex rates in it. I like them. They've worked really well for me. 
But uh, unless I'm going to take... They're, they're an aggressive ethereal unit. Yes. Or you can take ethereal, threaten your opponent by not being able to hurt them, and they can still do their they're damage back. They can vanguard. Yeah. They run off in the back. They're doing their own thing. But even they're limited because it used to be if you put a vampire with a unit, then it could, uh, it could march move. But now it's only within 12 inches of the general. So I can't put them next to, say, a black coach and let them march move. Once they vanguard and move forward, they're moving eight a turn. That's it. So they're not moving around as quickly as they would have been able to. That's true, but you can still hit them with a spell and move them forward. Well, if you can reach them. Van Hell's only goes 12 inches. Oh, and you can't boost it? You can boost it to all units within 12 inches. <laughs> I see. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's synergies in here. It's 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 amazing. When I first looked at it, I said, God, this is still really a good army. It's, uh, But the more I'm playing it, and maybe I'm just playing it wrong, it seems like it's moved close, much closer to the middle tier, where everything has seemed to be moving towards middle tier. Oh, I would agree books come out. completely. I um, would agree completely. Uh, I like the more I do. I got to say, I like the Mortis engine. In fact, I'm going to be getting a Coven Throne soon because when we start playing those big point games, I'm going to take one on principle if I can take one, and it's got cool things it can do. Sure. But as a competitive tournament game, I like I said for our campaigns for playing in the basement, I am going to take all those new toys. I will take big, you know, like you were saying. I think I think I think uh, crypt horrors are good in a horde mm-hmm. or with higher numbers. Whereas Vargeists, I think, are good in smaller units. The MSUs, as they said, uh-huh. multiple small units, yeah. Um, uh, the Mortis engine is huge and is a, is a cannon uh, cannon magnet. It's got a big target painted on it. Did you feel as though in the tournament and in your practice games that it just got shelled off the table one too many times? Uh, no, because you're the only one who got it off the table, and you didn't even shell it off the table. You wound up beating it out, killing it in combat. Didn't- Oh, that was a practice game. I'm trying to remember. You played a practice game. Where oh, it was that taken. first practice game I played against Chris Yu. Yeah, he he hit it. Oh, against the orcs. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. the orcs yeah, hit yeah. it with the yeah, yeah. diver with no armor. Right. Yeah, and I failed my uh, I failed my regen. I was the only person to kill it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. No, in fact, it worked good, and it's it's and like I said, I think it does make a great grenade because it keeps putting out that pulse where it can hurt your enemies, and you fly it up there, and if you miscast, I was afraid of letting it stay on the table. I was yeah. afraid of what would happen if I let it go to turn six. Yeah, you let the the longer that thing's on the table, the more powerful it gets. And if you miscast near it, you're in a world of hurt. But uh, I think competitively, no fear of that. I couldn't cast anything all yeah. tournament. Uh, yeah, really competitively, I look. I'm looking at uh, a couple of units of zombies, a unit of ghouls, um, uh, three. Uh, a master necromancer, a level two vampire, a level one vampire BSB. Mm-hmm. Um, not he's more expensive than a white king, and a white king is just as good as a BSB. But the vampire is a level one with vampire. So once again, I, I've got you know, you lose your general, you you do some crumble. As long as you have another vampire with the lore of vampire or another spellcaster with the lore of vampires, crumble stops. Having that third guy to stop Crumble, you know, three is better than two. Yeah. Um, but then I got ten Black Knights. I got the five Hex Wraiths. I got a couple of Spirit Hosts. It, it looks like a almost, I mean, it's all seventh ed units. And, I mean, partly that's because I haven't figured out a way to so, effectively use. So no Necromancer, or are you can include a Necromancer? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. there was a Necromancer in seventh ed, too. Just, that's true. I guess he's the, 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 he's had a real facelift. Yes, he's had a, yeah. But basically, 
my list doesn't have the Mortis engine anymore. It doesn't have Crypt Horrors. It doesn't have Fargeist. It, like I said, it does have a five hex wraiths. Well, if you um, want a practice game, I can just even pull out a proxy if you wanted to try it against something other than Chaos Dwarves. I definitely want to keep playing it, and I want to learn how to play it better. I really want to learn how to play it better. Well, it's going to take some time because yeah. it really has changed. I mean, I'll tell you, Saturday, superficially it's the same yeah. army, but in, in some very serious ways, it's you have to think about it differently. Sunday morning, Harrison almost had me talked into going back to my dwarves. Really? Yeah. And he was talking. He was really talking of, go, you should go back to your dwarves. Uh, but I have made a decision to stick with and continue painting my VC until the dwarf book comes out, which oh, I'm hoping. I don't. Come out I don't think anyone will be surprised when you switch. You when not if when you switch back to dwarves when the dwarf book comes out. They're still my favorite army. Yeah, I, I uh, love playing this VC, but they're not my dwarves. I, they're, I mean, they're my. I like my dark elves, and I'll probably play them when they come out with an eighth edition book. I love mm-hmm. them a lot. But I've been waiting a long time for a cast dwarf book. It came out hell or high water, man. I'm playing these new guys. Yeah, <laughs> you know. The sad this thing is, is my I army. realized is, uh, well, first of all, the dwarfs were the first army I bought, and that was one of those things where I was just buying stuff I liked. Yeah. So it's like I have more, I have more, <laughs> I have more slayers than I'm allowed to field unless I take a bunch of slayer characters. I, I'm looking forward to you fielding those again. I'm, I have confidence that they are going to come out with something that will make them worth taking but again. But the scary thing is, I look at my army now and I'm like, crap. I need to buy more, like, core. Like, I'm not even buying anything until the new book comes out. But it's like, I have such. I have very low amounts of quarrelers and thunderers and, and core warriors. Actually, I understand. When I wanted to start playing Chaos Dwarves again back in fourth edition i had plenty of everything it didn't take much it's like oh i got plenty now suddenly it's like well 15 isn't gonna do it <laughs> no exactly it's like you know i've got like 30 miners what the hell do i need with 30 miners i don't know what i was thinking when i bought this other than i was writing up like bajillion point lists when i first started playing this right, game right and now suddenly uh, 30 is about right i uh now i did chris you and i are gonna have a big game like we were talking about having a big game. In fact, we want to record this. Okay. Like parts of it, maybe even put some of it, like record it, like on, with video. Uh, it's going to be like four or five thousand points. Okay. I started writing up my list, and I started listing everything I have built, and uh, not including the stuff I haven't built yet. I can run a seven thousand point VC list. It Oof. is the biggest army I have, and the reason I can run a seven thousand point VC list and not an eight thousand. Is because I've only got seventeen fifty in core units. If I had some more core, I could run eight thousand. Those damn zombies weren't so cheap. <laughs> exactly, dude. I have a hundred ghouls. That's a grand right there. You know, and I got a bunch of skeletons. I got I have the dire So I just realized that my biggest army is my second favorite army. Is yeah, well, is my is sorry, my zombies? As long but, as you enjoy them, and I'm painting the crap out of them, but. No, go ahead. What, well, what I was going to say was, um, you've been talking about your VC and what you learned from the Adepticon Primer on mm-hmm. how you're going to be building your list. Now, for me, I feel like it's kind of solidified what I suspected would be the powerhouse units in the Chaos Dwarf army. Okay, uh, Iron Demon is amazing. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. That thing. Oh, I that would be in every list I make. Just about. Hear that steel? Every list. Almost every <laughs> list. That is to me more reliable than my Kadai Destroyer. Oh, yeah. Uh, my Kadai Destroyer is killable. Yes. No doubt about proved it. it. It's killable. Yeah. It's, it is easily killed if your opponent has the right tools. Yes, there are armies that are going to struggle with it, and there are some armies that where if you build it wrong, you can't hurt it, but those armies are going to be rare. Right. That being said, 
Guys, there's going to be a creature occasionally in your tournaments with the toughness of six that is minus one to wound it, which means that your spearmen can't hurt it. Find yep. a way around this. Think about how your army can deal with it. It's really simple. It's the same problem that people had when they first saw the Hydra or the A-bomb or the Arachnarok or any of the other big things. Well, you've seen Arachnarok. You don't ever. <laughs> that was that was actually the right. Which one of these creatures don't belong with the others? <laughs> in any case, it's... Uh, it's definitely worth taking, but I don't think I'll put it in every single list. Now, for the moment, it's ripe for the metagame. Putting that destroyer in right now is a great time because people aren't prepared. Oh, yeah. But there's going to be a time where it's going to be a liability, very much like the 2A bomb list where suddenly, oh, you can deal with these? Well, there's a whole bunch of points I'm giving up. Yeah. But the Iron Demon is going to make it into just about every list. Uh, Infernal Guard are crazy. Hobgoblins are much better than you think. Yeah. I mean, they you can kill them, and you can run them off the table on turn one, but I was throwing 40 dice. They're dirt cheap, and they got the stats of a human. Yeah. They don't have stats. They're not They're not, They're not. not uh, noblars. They're not something that's really weak. They have human stats. They're going to need to be babysat by Chaos Dwarves, but yeah, I mean, I was. I had a unit of 40 you, guys with a champion, so 40, or uh, well, yeah, with the two attacks in front. And you that's had 41 them, attacks. And they don't test for animosity if they're within six inches of a... Of a Right. And you had them right next to your unit yep, of I have Infernal to. Guard. I have to. But why, and why not? Yeah. Because I need to take out that Infernal Guard, and then these stupid things flank me, or I need to take that out, and the Infernal Guard flank me. And the thing is, they even have a ranged attack. Even if you don't give them a bow, they have throwing knives. Yep. So if you charge them, they throw knives at you. If you get close enough but don't charge, they throw knives at you. Yeah, if yeah. you get close enough and expose your flank and deal with the Infernal Guard, they'll flank you, and that's a whole bunch of attacks. They're worth it. Yep. Um, one plus in any army? Maybe. Maybe, in some form or another. It, it adds the bulk in the army you need. Yes. yes. Because your army is super elite, and if you don't want to go out there with four small units and some cannons, dude, I could see taking a couple of those and keeping them back just to keep them in front of the cannons to protect it and divert people away from your cannons. I don't know if there's such a thing as a one-plus for any of the artillery. I'll simply say that they're all spectacular. Yep. Um, there's no one particular piece that I think is more overwhelming than the rest. Although, originally, my my opinion was the Dreadquake Mortar was the one I was going to take every time. Right. And I've played several games without it, and I'm sold on everything else I've used. And, of course, I keep looking over at the Hell Cannon saying, that's got to be a 1+. plus. I got that in every army. But I haven't taken it yet. No. Nope. They're all good. You, you're spoiled for choices. You really are. With the artillery. Um, yep. I know that um, I was discussing with Andy Sherman from Ohio Hammer, and originally he felt as though that the, uh, the, the Death Shrieker rocket wasn't a very good choice. But when he and I had a chance to play a pickup game, I showed him how good it could potentially be. Uh, I used it against him, and it was able to do a lot of damage. <laughs> when I shoved it down his throat, he knew it was a good unit. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have put it that way. But, yeah, I I, it, it did very well. Me and Andy are friends. I can make fun of him a little. No, no, I'm not. It, know, I wasn't making fun of him. You're the one who shoved it down his throat. I, I wasn't even there. Well, no, I kind of shoved it up his nose. Uh, I see. No, I just no, no. to say trout. Trout, trout. Right next, to the, next trout. to the sandwich. A. I like a good sandwich I've, with, all the, with all the proper accoutrements. Yeah, yeah. Sure, <laughs> Lieutenant. Anyway, so to wrap it up, the the, the only <laughs> the only thing I'm worried about now with the Chaos Dwarves is there are a couple of units I haven't used as much recently, the Bull Centaurs. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've been kind of playing around with it. Um, I know that originally when we reviewed the book, one of my questions was, well, what base size are these guys going to be on? Uh-huh. And I thought, well, 40 seems appropriate, but now I'm not sure. I talked to, to Grant. He's like, 
models exist for them, right? And I said, yeah. He's like, well, what base size are they on? 25 by 50? He's like, then that's their base size, right? I'm like, yeah, I guess. And the more I think about it... But didn't they change their troop type? Yeah, they did. But a model still exists for them. That's true. You know, so it's like... And in a way, the more I look at their stats, they're 40 points and they only have two wounds. Uh, No, three wounds, but only two attacks. Yeah. So in a way... I don't know. I mean... If they decide to change it to like a fifty by fifty, I probably wouldn't take them at all. It's too big. Yeah, for for the amount of attacks. And the more I'm thinking about it, it's like, you know what? Twenty five by fifty, they make sense. Forty by forty, they're expensive. So right now, that's it's funny because it seems like for many of the armies outside of ogres, the monstrous infantry seems to be that situational unit that you may not take. You know, like the Ushabti. A lot of people aren't taking them. Some people are. Some people aren't. But there's an argument. Against the high competitors that they don't—they're not effective. Vargas and Crypt horrors. Yeah, but you, even you're taking them out of your lists. I did Vargas and Crypt. That's what oh, I'm so saying. You're, oh, you're I agreeing with me? I thought you took them out of my list. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least for competitive. But once again, and I, <laughs> I was talking to Chris you again about this, and I just said, you know, I feel bad taking something I like out of my list because I'm going to Adepticon and I want a chance to compete. You know what I'm saying? It's like because they're not bad units. And they, I've actually used the Vargeist in 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 in, another, in that other game I played that, and they were great against him. They were great, but I wonder. I keep looking. What's reliable? Well, and, anytime you can surprise your opponent with something new, uh-huh. um, it, it'll the the results are skewed. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, it's like it was when I played against uh, John Heil. Okay, they were against his ogres, and it was cool because his ogres couldn't stomp them. Well, the ogres, their strength is equal to their toughness, but your strength is higher than theirs. Right. So you've got the edge. The var- Yeah, and the Vargeist cause, I think they cause terror, I think. I don't know. They and do. if they do, then suddenly the ogres are taking fear checks. And since you've got the advantage on the strength versus their toughness, neither one of you can stomp the other. You fly, therefore you can dictate the charge. Exactly. Which means no impact hits. I fly, I can move around. Yep. They're vampiric, so I can only put one wound back per invocation, but... Do all vampires have that hunger rule? Uh, no. Okay. Vampires actually have the rule of the hunger. Vampiric doesn't necessarily. Okay. Okay. But what's interesting is because they're vampiric, they can march on their own. They don't crumble when the general disappears. That's another bonus. Right. right. I mean, there's just there's well, so they, many. That's, w- uh, that's contingency. Yeah. There's so, there's so many wins in their in their list, but then but if you then, just take a unit of ten. Black Knights. And you're terrified of a fireball. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're toughness four. And you can't easily get them back. You can bring them back, but it takes too long. Yeah. And if they're near a mortise engine, they get a six-up regen, which is not only is it just a six, but it's regen. And everybody got a damn flaming banner. And again, fireballs. Yeah. Uh, Again. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Fireballs. No one's going to take this fire, Lord. Fire kind of... Remember when nobody liked fire? Now everybody's got to have a... very different now. Everyone's got a fire belly or a fireball. i got to just throw a fireball. How wrong was I when I was... When we were reviewing the Ogre book and I said, I really don't see much in this fire belly. Whoops. (laughs) I was wrong. Dude, how many... Dude, we all make those mistakes. We all look at lists and say... Uh, in fact, just today I was listening to 11th Company, which is a 40K podcast, yeah. and they were like, Necrons suck. Necrons, Necrons suck, suck, suck. And he was playing with them just on a fluke. He's like, they're so cool. He's like, they're not the best army, but God, they got so many cool little things that turn around and just bite you. And he goes, these guys are awesome. It's like, you just reviewed them two months ago and said they were one of the worst codexes. It's like, and he's like, well, it looks like I was wrong because I'm having fun with them. Well, 
The Kennedy it's, Games it's, Workshop are getting better at writing damn books, I think. <laughs> I don't disagree. I suppose we ought to wrap up. It sounds like a plan to me. Let's wrap up. Okay, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. That's another episode. 45 is done. It's in the can. Head over to garagehammer.net slash store. Uh, get yourself some uh, garage gear. You need it. Hey, and thanks to the guys who are listening. Uh, Zazzle sends me these emails every Friday. Their four-hour sale. Yeah, I see. And we're, we we share that email. Right, but I but they said share the share the email, share the code. So I threw the code up on uh, Twitter last Friday, mm-hmm. and someone bought an i an iPhone cover. That they would, got our Garage Hammer iPhone cover. That would be Mister Nickel, the winner of the Wapaka. That was Ryan that bought that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Oh, that's awesome. Someone else wanted to buy one, but apparently we don't have any iPhone four covers. Poop you negative. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we don't have any iPhone 4 covers. So he bought a mug. I was like, hooray. Oh, did he also buy the mug? Somebody else did. Somebody okay. else wanted the iPhone 4 cover, and they didn't have it. He was like, Patrick Caldas bought a mug instead. So Thank you for, for promoting our show through your through your coffee mugs and your iPhone covers and stuff. That's so cool. And uh, please join the forums if you haven't already. It's a nice community, and it's uh, it's growing. Dave, you want to spit out that phone number for us uh, for folks? Uh, yes, yeah. Please leave us a voicemail. I love getting voicemails. Seven five seven G H Show Six. Folks, thank you for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, we ask that you leave us a positive review on iTunes. If you'd like to get more Garage Hammer, you can find us on Facebook at Garage Hammer Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, both at Garage Hammer and at Topher Sinister. And, of course, we invite you to join our forums at garagehammer.net. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at garagehammer at live.com. You can reach David at david at garagehammer.net. And you can reach Christopher at topher at garagehammer.net. And we'll be back when the day is new. And we'll have more ideas for you. And you'll have things you want to talk about. And we will, too. Bye, neighbors. Bye, neighbors. Part D. Are stunning and right from the book descriptions. Omelette du fromage. Omelette du fromage. I'd like a shoe with cheese on it. Omelette du fromage. Force it down my throat and I want to massage your grandmother. Omelette du fromage. Sorry. Je suis très stupide. I would like to go to the hotel. Ay, Dios mío. Mi chat es muy grande. All right, here we go. <clears throat> casa de Pepe. ¿Dónde está Casa de Pepe? I have to use the bathroom. I told my Hispanic students that I could say I have to use the bathroom, and then I said Casa de Pepe, and it and took them a couple seconds to figure it out, and then they just shook their heads. Mr. Whitek, you are so white. Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs>